pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian, but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. It starts by teaching you words and phrases. Then, sentences gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations about real-life topics. Babbel is created by language experts who use the space repetition method to help you learn quickly and remember what you learned with Babbel. Back to the famous WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. We welcome you back, Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on a Tuesday. We got Reds baseball tonight, and how about that? The Reds have won four of their last five, and they beat a very interesting team last night. In fact, Mr. Kev Nash over here huh? is a big Indians fan. Huh? He's a big Tribe fan. Are you still a fan? By the way, I did, I, I did not realize that their uh, that their offense has struggled as, as bad as it has. They've kind of heard about their struggles. It reminds me of the Reds at times when they're getting great pitching mm-hmm. and can't complement it uh, with anything like. I love that when when a plan unfolds the way it's supposed to. This is what was supposed to happen for the Cleveland Browns, Kev. This is what was supposed to happen. Like <laughs> it oh, always oh. comes back to the Browns. No, I'm not trying to be funny, <laughs> but like, and we're going to get into the Browns conversation coming up here in a moment. The Bengals and Antonio Brown, lots of conversation there. We got some NFL stuff coming your way. But what I mean is the expectations of when you when you're losing, 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 and then you go out and get free agents. You're, the expectation is is this: you're supposed to win right away. Right. And yes, the Reds had that. Little, I mean, they should have taken two of the three. They should have taken all three against the Tigers to open up the season. Tigers obviously a little better than we gave them credit for. Not just because they beat them, but the Tigers have beat a lot of teams already up until this point. But the Reds. Um, seem to have figured it out. And for one, for everyone out there, and I'm not going to do a bashing David Bell thing, because I've said before, if David Bell does his thing his way and it's leading to wins, then my complaining is pointless. I mean, I'm, what am I mad at, that they're winning? Um, so that's why I laugh at Reds fans who always defended David Bell, because when they were losing, I'm like, but you're defending losing strategies. Like, no matter what you say, whether you think it, his decisions were right or wrong, they're not right because every decision you make is supposed to put your team in a position to win. The one thing that David Bell has done differently so far over the last week is have the same lineup, that he has put the same lineup out pretty much every night. And he has put, and he's left guys alone in the order. Last year, Slummer and I doing the show. I remember we were constantly bashing the fact that okay, maybe the lineup, the guys were the same in the order, but for whatever one day he would have one guy batting third, the next day he'd be batting seventh, the next day he'd be batting second. I mean, it just made no sense um, as far as the order is concerned. Bell has left the order alone, and I think when you do that, 
that allows guys to get comfortable. That allows guys to get comfortable with their spot in the order. It allows them to get comfortable with their role. And I think that's what you're starting to see. There is not a there's not an analytic out there. There's not a stat out there that you can track that is going to point that out. I think it's just common sense. Uh, and talking to former baseball players, current baseball players, you know, Schlemmer, whose whole life has been baseball, talking with him about it, too. And he said, absolutely, like, consistency is key. Having a role is key. Having that same spot in the order every day, uh, or at least most days, is key. Um, playing the same position most days, if not all days, is key. And these guys half the time have no clue. David Bell, regardless of what their numbers show, I wonder if he's taking paying attention to, well, what are their numbers when they bat this in the order? What are their numbers when they bat this in the order? Because Shogo Akiyama looks a million times more comfortable batting leadoff, which is what I was saying from the very beginning, than he does batting sixth in the order. I mean, he doesn't hit the ball at all when he's hitting sixth in the order. I think he only has two hits on the season when he's batting sixth. Um, and, of course, one of those came on opening night. Um, but bottom line is that this team is clicking. They've won four of their last five. Um, they were able to take the two-game doubleheader, the two seven-inning doubleheader games on Sunday against the Tigers to close that series out. And then they took that game last night. A 3-2 win over the Indians. And it is the way that they did it. Another gem from Sonny Gray. Six good quality innings out of him. The bullpen comes in, doesn't give up a run. Uh, Iglesias, too. I mean, Iglesias comes in and he looks the part. Iglesias is starting to get comfortable. He's starting to look like the guy that, the, the perfect complement to that rotation. When you can start guys like Sonny Gray and, and uh, when you can start guys like Sonny Gray and when you can start guys like Trevor Bauer and obviously. You know, Castillo, and then knowing that, man, if I could just get six, seven innings out of these guys, I know that I have a pit bull waiting for us in that bullpen, waiting to close this out if we can get through innings seven and eight. Uh, and I, or just inning eight. How about that? If you can get them through seven, imagine that. Uh, but the Reds are in good shape moving forward. Now, they can come out tonight and lay an egg against this Indians team. Well, that's um, so. they, they can come out and do that. But the thing is, the Red, the Indians are struggling right now, scoring and putting time. runs up. But sometimes when you've struggled the way the Indians have, you're due for one. And uh, tonight with Tyler Malley on the mound, I'm not as confident in Tyler Malley as what I am a Di Scafani or a Trevor Bauer or, you know what I mean? Like, so that's where I'm concerned. Like tonight's game, I'm not saying that they're going to lose, but tonight's game uh, could be a concern as far as that goes. If, if you're the Indians, you want to get back in your winning ways because despite their struggles scoring runs, Kev, they've been winning a lot of games too. They're sitting comfortably in, in their division right now. Yeah, they're on a pool, man. I think this is four in a row, four losses in a row or three or four, one of them. It's just... They're having trouble hitting the ball. Uh, five and six. So their runs, sorry, they were sitting at the top. And yeah. then, of course, the Twins right now rolling in the White Sox. But the, the Indians twins. just last week. The Twins? The Twins. Eight Goodness and two. Gracious. The Twins spent a lot of money, though. They, they're in good shape. I mean, the, the Twins and the White Sox. And I think they're the reasons that the Indians have been so hesitant to unload their talent. Because they know, talent-wise, they are maybe not better than... Then the Twins, but their pitching, yeah. it neutralizes any any offensive talent that the Twins and some of those other teams have. Bottom line, Reds fans, I want to hear from you. 457 9464. We've waited for a long time to have a contender, to have a winner. If the, if the season ended today, the Reds are in the playoffs. And we're having that conversation here in July. Uh, August, holy smokes, it's August. It's August 4th, holy smokes. Bottom line is, is that the Reds are in great shape right now. And you have to feel good about it. And David Bell... Doing his thing, letting that you know, letting that lineup breathe a little bit. Again, we're going to take a look at the lineup coming up here around the corner, uh, but the lineup the same as last night. 
basically. And Tyler Malley going to be back out uh, on the mound tonight. But we've got Reds and Indians coming up here, uh, right here on Dayton's home of the Cincinnati Reds. Again, it's game two of a four-game series. We are live on Facebook, by the way. If you're watching on Facebook, first of all, thank you. Uh, but we do have the Reds-Indians series uh, matchups up right now on the Facebook page as we are live. Reds-Indians, last night, of course, uh, that game got delayed. It doesn't look like there's any bad weather in the area. Knock on wood. So, 540 will be kind of heading out of our show a little bit early to hand it off to Tommy Thrall and the Cowboy as they'll walk you up to first pitch. Uh, and then Wednesday and Thursday, they'll wrap up that series. The Brewers coming up around the corner for the Reds, and that's going to be a big one. The big question now is, is what do you do if you are the Reds with Trevor Bauer? I would love to see Trevor Bauer get a shot to not only pitch against the Indians, but could potentially pitch in Cleveland because tonight's the last of the series in Cincinnati, and then right. they'll head to Cleveland tomorrow and Thursday. It would be awesome. It would be awesome to see him pitch first to try, but I just wish the fans were there. Wish the fans were there to really let them know how they really feel about Young Was Bauer. he liked in Cleveland? Uh, Yeah, until he cut his, almost cut his finger off. I remember the playoffs, off. yeah. <laughs> until he almost cut his finger off. And, and to be fair, after the following season, he balled out of control. Like, so, it was a, a love-hate thing. Just basically the same way you feel about him, how when he's pitching great, you deal with everything because he's a great pitcher when he's on, but when he's not on and he's still talking, people were upset. So, it's, it's the same thing. All right, Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. If you're just tuning in, we are live on Facebook. Head to Facebook and like the station page, ESPN 1410 Wing AM. Uh, you can listen to us on 1410 Wing AM. You can stream us at wingam.com. And, of course, you can watch us on Facebook Live, of course, on ESPN Dayton's Facebook page. Or search The Justin Kinner Show on Facebook, and you can watch us there as well. We have Reds lineups coming up for you. Plus, we're going to get into this Bengals conversation. For a while, we've been talking about Antonio Brown and where he could end up. I've been screaming that the Cincinnati Bengals make the most sense for him and well Vegas kind of agrees we'll get to that coming up around the corner plus OBJ had some interesting comments about the mentality of the owners in the NFL when it comes to forcing the players to play this year you know they got that opt-out coming on Thursday but they're being forced to play this season so we're going to get to all of that plenty of NFL discussion coming your way don't go anywhere foot odor throwing you off your game stick to a winning game plan with odor readers featuring three advanced odor and wetness fighters the lineup provides long-lasting odor control plus more to keep your feet on their game odor readers powder provides outstanding moisture control clear drying spray is the mvp in preventing athletes foot while insoles work continuously to manage wetness while adding a layer of comfort pick up today at walmart target cvs dollar general or other fine retailers odor eaters destroy foot odor with the best in odor defense Goodyear knows why we all love basketball. It's the sound of the buzzer, the roar of the crowd, the swish of the net. It's the spin on the ball as it's released, the squeaking sneakers before an inbound pass, the timeout that gives us perspective on the moment. We love basketball because we love movement. And now that it's back, we're asking you, the fans, what moves you? Goodyear, more driven. I'm thinking of you. What kinder words could be more meaningful at a time like this? At First Florist and Greenhouses, we know everyone is coping the best they can. And when hugs are not possible, a kind word or gesture can bring comfort and a smile. So today, make that phone call or send a heartfelt note to someone you care about. And if you'd like to send a fresh bouquet of flowers, we can help with that. We're First Florist and Greenhouses at 1306 Troy Street in Dayton, a local family-owned business since 1905. And we're thinking of you. 
Back to the Justin Kinner Show on 1410 ESPN Radio and on the stream at wingam.com. All right, we welcome you back. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash with you here. You know, as soon as that light turns on, you'll be able to see Kevin, but I promise you, he is there. I'm there here. You go. It looks better on the laptop than on Vegas. Then let's go to Vegas. Let's go. My brother lives <laughs> if you know, out there. If you know more than Vegas, and I've, then you know what? That's the perfect place to go. <laughs> Just keep me away from casinos, man. I'm not joking. I can't. Well, if I have, if I have someone with me, I can go. I can't go by myself. Bad things happen. I go to casinos by myself. Lose a lot of money. Really? Oh yeah. One I have no self, no self. No, I have no discipline whatsoever. Because I'm like, if I win money, I'm like, man, if I won that much money in this amount of time, imagine if I stayed that same amount of time, I could almost double it. It's funny. It doesn't work that way. Never works In fact, you way. almost lose it quicker than the amount of time that you, you know, it's just, it's, but man, when you're rolling, no better feeling. I can try to, <laughs> there's no better feeling. I mean, oh, I sound like an addict right now. You do. I'm like, like a gambling addict right now. Holy smokes. Anyways. All right. Let's kick things off. We got the Justin Kinner Show top headlines. It's the Justin Kinner Show's top headlines. With all the talks right now about which players are going to play and opt out of the college football season, we're going to narrow it down to the Big Ten. This is a big one. Minnesota interests me a lot. I mean, I, I feel bad. That's a whole other segment we can get into as far as programs in college football that we feel bad for regarding COVID because... Who is the Dayton Flyers team of football right. that and, and I and I'm not taking shot I'm being serious like that that team that is has a once in a lifetime roster that you just can't wait to see what they, I think it's Minnesota yeah Minnesota I think is explosive enough they have NFL players all over the place well minus one now um, Rashad Bateman is opting out of the upcoming football season Minnesota Golden Gophers receiver and potential first round pick Rashad Bateman is opting out of the upcoming college football season and will begin preparing for the NFL draft he announced on Tuesday Todd McShay has Bateman as the number 19 player among his way too early top 32 prospects. Now, keep in mind, he does become the second pro prospect to opt out of the upcoming uh, season. As Virginia Tech's cornerback Caleb Farley announced he would also be leaving just last week. Of course, Bateman releases the video um, on Twitter and Instagram. Now, um, that's a tough blow for Minnesota because, like I said, I think they're the team that just has that once in a, I shouldn't say once in a lifetime. Minnesota has an opportunity to keep, you know, being consistent. But it's like it's gonna. We're always, you're always gonna look back if you're Minnesota fans. I don't think there's many out there right now. But I'm just saying they're Minnesota. a team that. Uh, and by the way, as a Big Ten fan, because if you're a Buckeye fan, you need to be a Big Ten fan because the better they look around you, the better you look. This is a blow for Minnesota. It's a blow for the Big Ten because Minnesota was going to be that team, that fun team to watch outside of your traditionals, outside of your Penn States and your Ohio States uh, and you know Michigans and so on, this was going to be that team you enjoyed and had fun watching. I'm not saying that they won't be now, but this is a huge blow for the program and for the Big Ten as a whole. 1,200 yards, 11 touchdowns. The best receiver in the Big Ten. You take that off their roster, they're in a world of hurt. They're in a world of hurt. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not a good thing. And you know, that, that's why I said I, I was trying to think of who who is the uh, college football equivalent to the Dayton Flyers, that once in a lifetime type of uh, talent. And it's just one of those. You know, now what? You know, if if COVID didn't happen, I mean, if COVID didn't happen, how far would the Flyers have gone right. in the NCAA tournament? If COVID doesn't happen, how good could Minnesota have been? And maybe they're still pretty good. And they will be pretty good. Um, but when you lose a potential first round talent like this um, on the offensive side, especially, that's a that's kind of explosiveness, and uh, that's a huge blow as far as.
far as that goes. Here is Rashad Bateman's quote. And by the way, if you're just tuning in, it's the Justin Kinner Show with Kevin Nash's top headlines. Uh, Minnesota future NFL receiver Rashad Bateman is opting out of the upcoming season, and he will focus on the upcoming NFL draft. He says, in light of the uncertainty around health and safety in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, I have to set my wishes aside for the wellness of my family, community, and beyond. Because of this, I have decided to opt out of the 2020 college football season, and I will be taking the next steps in my journey by declaring for the 2021 NFL draft. So no problem with that. Um, you know, we can't sit here and, and uh, you know, p- and people who are bashing the athletes for opting out is unbelievable to me. I'm like, you know, it's going to bum me out if, if a high, if a big-time player like that for Ohio State opts out, but you would have to understand. Let's say, and I don't anticipate this, but let's say Justin Fields just says, you know what, it's just, it's it's not worth it. I'm risking too much. You know, if I get it or, you know, and it, all of a sudden I'm not as healthy post-COVID as I was before, and that knocks me down on the board. It's not just knocking me down on the draft. It's knocking me down money. It wouldn't, it, you know, I'd be bummed, but I wouldn't blame him one bit. Trevor Lawrence, the same thing. I'm mm-hmm. not a Clemson fan, but I, I love, I'm a fan of dominant programs. Yeah. Mainly because I want to see that Ohio State-Clemson matchup. Absolutely. I want to see Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields part two. I so mean, it's going to be interesting. You look at Minnesota again, you lose Bateman, and they also lost Tyler Johnson last year who graduated. He had 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns. So now going into this year, your two top receivers are gone. Like playmakers, big-time playmakers, they're gone. But you're right, man. I see this happening a lot more across college football. I see a lot more guys backing out saying, you know what? It's not worth it, especially like guys that aren't on the Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, like guys that or guys that are on teams that we know aren't going to win a national championship. And we know Minnesota's not going to win a national championship. Like their goal is to win a national championship, but like them making it to the Rose Bowl, like we could see that happening, like how Baylor did. Like we see that, like all right, man, they they have a hell of a run. They make it far. They go a long way throughout the season, undefeated, and they 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 come up short against Ohio State and everything like that. But those teams like that, those guys from programs that are quote unquote second tier programs in college football, the guys that are NFL prospects, I see them backing out, and not just guys that are potentially first round guys. I'm seeing like guys that like third round pick guys going to be backing out here shortly. All right. Uh, we're going to be getting into some NFL discussion around the corner that is going to involve uh, the AFC North pretty heavily. But we're going to get into that a little bit now, too. Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger says that he feels really good. And by the way, I was dying laughing. Uh, a friend of mine on Twitter said, oh, my goodness, it's the Big Ben's in the best shape of his life season. And, it, you know, every year you hear that, you know, at this time. But Big Ben says that he does feel really good, says that 2019 surgery repaired three torn elbow Tendons. Uh, he is the highest profile quarterback to ever have that type of reconstruction surgery on his elbow. Uh, and, you know, I think that, I mean, you're a Steelers fan. There has to be a lot of doubt in the back of your head as far as what they're going to, what he's going to look like. We know what he looks like, what he's going to play like. Um, yeah, I mean, this is interesting. I mean, this is the equivalent to a pitcher going through something like this, too. You know, how much will, you know, how much zip will he have on the ball? Um, you know, how much of a quick release will he have? You know, will he have the same stuff before and after? That's going to be the big question whenever that time comes. Huge question marks about Big Ben. He's old. He's coming off major surgery. We just don't know. Like, I was talking to my brother about it, and he was all hype about, 
our draft picks. Uh, Juju's going to be back this year healthy. Deontay Johnson's going to be his second year as wide receiver. And Big Ben's coming back. Like, we back. We got this. I'm like, man, I'll got to see it first. Like, he, his elbow was about to fall off. <laughs> like, I just got to see it first. He's out there throwing a Nerf football out there. Yesterday I practiced, you know, throwing some five-yard out routes. Let's see what happens when he uncorks a deep ball. Let's see how he bounces back. Let's see how the elbow does throughout training camp, icing it down. Let's see what happens first before we jump over to Edge saying the Hall of Fame quarterback Ben Roethlisberger is back at the helm for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Rank the AFC North quarterbacks right now. Without, without seeing Joe Burrow play, Lamar, we know right now. Lamar, the Hall of Famer, Baker, and the rookie. Hmm. You said Baker twice. Did I? You said the Hall of Famer and then oh. you said Baker. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> Lamar, the Hall of Famer, Baker, and the rookie. <laughs> I, I think that's fair right now. I mean, last year I was at Baker's rookie year. I was adamant that Baker was the second best quarterback in the AFC North. And uh, that was before. That was about six games before Lamar Jackson stepped foot out onto the field for the Ravens. So uh, two years ago, I had ranked Big Ben, Baker, uh Flacco, or I put Dalton above Flacco, to be honest with you. I'm just, yeah, that's, that's how fair. much I dislike Flacco uh, <laughs> as far as being overrated. I think there's more talent in Andy Dalton. It's just I think he's more of a backup, as we've talked about. But now, um, this, is the this is to prove I'm not that much of a Browns homer at this point. It is. It's Lamar Jackson. It's Big Ben. Until Big Ben is out of the league or proves that he just can't play, um, Big Ben is the second best quarterback in that division. Baker third, and then you know Joe Burrow fourth. Now, will that be? Do you anticipate that being the same ranking? Yes. 16 weeks into the season. Yes. 100% yes. I'm worried about Joe Burrow. Excuse me? I'm worried about him being better than Baker. I think, oh. I think he could be better than Baker. Oh. It worries me. Like, I, 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 I'm being Do serious. tell. No, I think Joe Burrow's real. Like, I never once bashed Joe Burrow. I mean, sure, he wasn't good enough to win any starting <laughs> jobs. There you go. <laughs> There's the kidder we all love. No, I'm going to say, we'll get into that, by the way. You know, it, the Bengals right now are the favorites to get, arguably, maybe, the best receiver in football. We'll get to that coming up around the corner. And lastly, here on the Justin Kinner Show top headlines, Yadier Molina says that he is uh, that he was amongst the St. Louis Cardinals to test positive for the coronavirus. So that's a big name right there that's mm -hmm. coming down with it. Um, as far as that's concerned. So, uh, look, the Cardinals, my thing is, is th these when these teams get it, it impacts other teams around them, not just from the spread of it, but like the Reds, for instance. You know, if we're talking about, oh, the Cardinals have to miss games because of COVID, well, they have time to make them up. Well, the Reds have time to make up any games that they miss with these types of teams. Now, it looks like the Reds don't play the Cardinals for a while, so the Cardinals should be back and rolling by the time that series with the Reds comes up. So the Reds should be okay. They start a series with the Brewers afterwards. I'm telling you, I, I, I'm willing to admit when I overreact. I think I overreacted to how bad the league looked because of the virus. I think you had two isolated instances where you had, obviously, the Marlins, who we're going to get into in a moment, Derek Jeter. I don't know whether to believe him or not. Um, all reports said that those players were out at clubs and bars, and now he's saying that they just went out to get milk. Seven six two one zero nine six seven six. You can text us, you can call us, or of course, if you're out and about and you don't follow us on Facebook, please do because you can watch us now. You can listen uh, listen to us, you can stream us, and you can watch us now on ESPN Dayton's Facebook page, the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. As far as that's concerned, but there's many ways that you can reach out to the show. But um, what are your? I'm curious, uh, sports fans' thoughts on. The perception of Major League Baseball right now, 
are they failing or are they succeeding right now? I honestly think, as, and again, if you look at my Twitter over the weekend, I absolutely blasted the sport, saying that they're an embarrassment and everything else. But I thought about it. I'm like, actually, no, they're doing pretty good. I mean, you have the Reds who are self-reported. They have three players who self-reported, all negative. But that shows you the when you are locked in, and the Reds know they have something special here. I think the Reds players know that. That's why you have guys waking up who have a little tickle in their throat, and they're like, you know what? I don't know. This could be. I don't want to spread it to my teammates. I'm just going to call in and be cautious. Mm -hmm. The fact that you've had three players for the Reds do that just shows that when it means something to you, you're going to be a little bit more cautious. Now, the Cardinals kind of threw a wrench in that theory because they obviously are a contender, and they didn't seem to care going to the casino. The Marlins, I could see why they wouldn't care. I could see why they wouldn't care as far as that's concerned. Um, you know, you have the, the NFL will find the players. If they are if they catch COVID and they are able to trace it back to something that is, you know, if they're breaking the rules, they will get fined and they will not get paid for games that they miss. And I have no problem with that. You're I have not, no problem with that uh, either. Now, if you are a teammate of someone who broke the rules and you caught it because of that, a spread in the locker room, that's completely different. Um, but I think that that's something moving forward that needs to be, you know, talked about. If you take away the Marlins and Cardinals, the league is actually not that bad it's not that bad it looks okay what what are your thoughts on that it doesn't look horrible um i just want to see it continue to continue moving forward and people taking precautions you know it's just one of those things like we don't know and we don't know because this whole thing is new and the precautions that they're going to continue to do and the biggest thing is being flexible you know the league you talked about how the nfl is saying they're going to find players if they're contact tracing leads back to them going out having a good time then coming down with COVID-19 these are flexible rules that they're going to have to implement to continue to get the sport going or keep the sport going and maybe they should do that in baseball as well you know and you talked about Jeter with the whole milk thing like I mean (laughs) we talked about Lou Williams going to Magic City in the wings I guess this is baseball version of it going to get milk (laughs) <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Um, now, here's Derek Jeter's comments on the Marlins, again, saying that the entire traveling party got a little too comfortable. Um, infected were 21 members of that traveling party, including at least 18 players, none seriously ill, uh, and all expects to return this season. So that it's not a concern as far as that goes. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, it's just one of those where Jeter was pretty you know, annoyed with the media saying we need to stop. Um, you know, we, we need to stop with this, you know, putting up that narrative that they were going to clubs. But 457-9464 will take your calls and get we your thoughts them. on all of this. But overall, you take away the Marlins, you take all away the right. Cardinals, we've talked about it a while. I just think that Major League Baseball is doing better than even I gave them credit for at the beginning. But let's uh, let's go to DoorDash Ray. DoorDash Ray, thanks for holding. What's up, buddy? Hey, guys. Uh, just wanted to say, uh, hey, Josh, I didn't get very much sleep last night because I was one of your last callers. I didn't get through, so. <laughs> well, all is good in the world again then, huh? But I will say that, Mr. Tanner, we got to have a talk. You was pretty fired up at the end of the show yesterday. You were talking about being mad and coming out and hitting people with bats. It's my history of you up the bat and stuff. And I'm like, was I, hold on, what, what, was I? Was I that, Kev? Well, do you yeah, recall this? Yeah, yesterday for the end of the show, uh, you were discussing uh, you 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 get angry and you don't care to get angry. And if somebody, I think you were, were you comparing yourself up to bat or something and somebody hits you with a pitch. You're going to come out and hit them with a baseball bat or something? Oh, you're talking about uh, the pitchers and um, showing up. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, when, yeah. when 
when guys hit home runs and do a bat. Oh, flip yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay, so okay. Trevor Bauer, over the weekend, when he last pitched, he, right. you know, he was doing the Conor McGregor strut after he struck right. a batter out. And he was showing the batter up that he struck out. And I'm like, the hypocrisy in baseball, it's so laughable that I'm like, if I'm a, if I'm a hitter and I hit a home run, I'm bat flipping for days off of him moving forward because I'm tired of pitchers thinking that they can, they can show emotion and show excitement when they strike a batter out, but heaven forbid a, a batter smile if he even gets a base hit because that might hurt the little pitcher's feelings. No, that's what I was well, talking about. My, my concern lies with the fact that, um, you know, your awesome younger brother next to you over there with, with the, the wisdom that he has, if he proves you wrong at some point during your broadcast, you're not going to come across with a microphone and Start I mean, <laughs> well, he's lucky that there's the six foot. You know, th there's lucky that he's lucky we're practicing social distancing. Otherwise, it'd be a totally yeah. different ball game. I'm just saying, you know, that's just uh, Man, people are giving me big fat tips and stuff because I was getting soaking wet. You know how that is. But um, yeah, I, I was well aware of what you know the, the anniversary of that you want to call it that horrific event downtown, dude. I've gone, I've lived in Dayton my whole life. I'm 53 years old, and uh, you're right, guys. I mean, we've all been down there at some point or another. And man, when it really gets home and someplace that's being safe, you know, you always have some drunk idiot every now and then trying to start something with somebody. But that area has always been a safe spot, dude. I mean. Halloween, all the Halloween events and stuff and everything else. And uh, you guys, I, I mean, that was really awesome of you guys to, to open up like that. And uh, um, just one more thing before I get off there, dude. I, Antonio Brown would be the worst thing to ever come to Cincinnati for Joe Burrow. How would you want to put a pariah like that in your clubhouse with that young quarterback with, with building with him? That dude's pretty much, I think he's pretty much run his course. And I know, I know, Ken, I think, you, you know, you think it's a good idea in some ways, which I can see. But, man, I just think that that guy needs to disappear and uh, let, let Joe Burrow kind of grow with some young talent. Um, but that's basically all I got. I love you guys, man. Keep doing what you do, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, man. Take care. Uh, we're going to get into that uh, Joe Burrow thing in just a moment. My think, my, and to respond to DoorDash Ray about that real quick, I have no problem if the Bengals try to take a chance on a guy like Antonio Brown, mainly because you have no playoff expectations next year anyways. So if you get him and it doesn't work, you're, you're out nothing. Like you, It's not like he came in and tanked your whole season. If you had playoff expectations and he was why, you know, the, just the constant distractions and everything else, and then the, and the Bengals don't make the playoffs, because of that now it's a completely different ballgame. I think now is the time to do that. And we're going to get into that around the corner again. Uh, as Sports Illustrated, James Rapine put out an article um, last night saying that uh, the Bengals were the odds-on favorite to acquire Antonio Brown. Um, screw it. We're just going to go into it here now. Forget it. We're just opening up. Are you now. ready? I'm ready. Because we're, we're going to have we have a few minutes, and then of course we'll head to hour two. But um, so Sports Illustrated put down an article last night that the Cincinnati Bengals are the odds-on favorite to land Antonio Brown. Now that doesn't mean that that's for sure going to happen, and who knows if if conversations have happened. But when you when you start looking at for one the history of the Bengals, recent history of course, and where they are right now as far as cap space is concerned. By the way, all the players that are uh, opting out, it is just unloading boatloads yeah. of money for these teams. So it could, it, there could be other teams that could come into the mix that could afford Antonio Brown right now because of players opting out. 
left and right. But here's the deal. So the Bengals are the odds-on favorite to acquire Antonio Brown. I've been saying for a while, for many reasons, that I think the Bengals make a lot of sense. A lot of Bengals fans, basically, you know, very similar to the last caller in DoorDash race, say, oh, no, that's crazy, that's foolish. Absolutely not. But... If there is ever a time to be aggressive and take chances, it's right now. If you were the Cincinnati Bengals, the best year of your life after being 0 and, well, no, the Browns were 0 and 16, 2 and 14, when you go through all that losing to acquire that one draft pick that all of a sudden turns the entire feeling of your franchise around, the best part of that is that first year. When you just get to experiment with a lot of things that, you, for one, anytime you have a rookie quarterback, you're not expected. To make the playoffs. The Bengals are not expected to make the playoffs out of the AFC North next year. So going out and getting Antonio Brown, to me, it's a no-brainer. It's not a it's not a gamble. People are like, oh, I wouldn't risk that. Risk what? Risk what? The playoffs? You're not making the playoffs. However, if Antonio Brown comes in and plays well, the Bengals are good enough to make the playoffs at that point, assuming that offensive line is explosive. You have T. Higgins. You have Antonio Brown. You have Tyler Boyd. You have A.J. Green. You have Mixon. Holy smokes, if that offensive line is just somewhat average, that's a playoff team. And I'm saying this, and I'm being dead. This is how you guys know I'm serious. Assuming Joe Burrow lives up to the expectations, I'm not expecting MVP Joe Burrow in the first year, but if he can live up to what a lot of other first year quarterbacks have done in recent history, the Bengals can make the playoffs. They can make the playoffs. And I think that they could be better than the Cleveland Browns at that point if they go out and get Antonio Brown. I am not against it whatsoever. You want to provide him with weapons? Imagine T. Higgins, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. Holy smokes, man. Like, I as a Browns fan would be jealous of that, and I love what we have. I love the two tight end set, by the way, and Joku announcing that he's cool with coming back and he can't wait to be a Brown and stay a Brown, blah, blah, blah. I like what the Cincinnati Bengals have. I don't like the offensive line, but you get Antonio Brown, I could see it happening. We've seen, and you know, and I don't think him being a diva is going to scare Mike Brown away. Mike Brown went out and got T.O. And T.O., with the time that he went out and got him, wasn't a super, super talented T.O., although he did have a good year with Cincinnati that year. But why go out and get a T.O. who is a diva and who is a distraction when he is not the, the super talented T.O. that he was in years past? You're able to put up with T.O. in years past because he had the, the talent to come along with it. Mike Brown took a chance on T.O. and it wasn't promised that he was going to be the T.O. of old. And he lived up to the hype. So for me, Mike Brown has proven in the past that he's willing to go the diva wide receiver route. All right, we've seen T.O. and Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco. Now you could potentially see, hopefully, if he's healthy, A.J. Green, uh, Tyler Boyd, and Antonio Brown. And I truly believe this. Antonio Brown wants to stay in the AFC North. He wants to he wants to face his former team twice a year. He wants to beat his former team. He wants to be a part of something special in that conference against his old team. And I also think that he's smart enough to look at the Ravens and say, as much as I love my cousin that's on that team, as much as I love Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson's style will not lead to him being as successful as what potentially Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor's offense could. I just had to utter a lot of positive things about the Bengals to say why I think it makes sense. So when Vegas came out last night and said, hey, you know what, that they are the odds-on favorite to land him, I think that they are right. I mean, I've been saying that for weeks now, and I truly believe that is the case. I hope the Bengals go that route. I think it would make for some fascinating games out of the AFC North this year. Definitely going to be some fascinating games out of AFC North this year, but it's going to be going with the Ravens because I just believe that I don't want to put a guy in there who nuked, helped nuke the Steelers, mm-hmm. nuked the Ra- uh, Raiders, spent one game 
with the Pats, who have strong leadership and the greatest quarterback of all time, and he still couldn't make it work. I wouldn't want to jeopardize putting my franchise rookie quarterback dealing with that. Plus, in my eyes, if I'm a Bengals fan, I got four wide receivers already. I'm good. I got A.J., I got Boyd. I got Alden Tate. I got T. Higgins. I'm good. I don't need to add him to the mix. No, isn't Erickson still on the team as well? So I'm good. I don't need to bring that extra headache into my locker room. And plus, it's the Bengals leadership from the top. Nah, they don't have that. And more importantly, like you always like to bring up, Zach Taylor, two and fourteen. You think Zach Taylor can handle that? Mike Tomlin eventually couldn't handle that. Zach Taylor. Second year, 2-14, and 14, handle Antonio Brown when he's not getting the ball. He went off on Big Ben, a Hall of Fame quarterback, when he wasn't getting the ball. When he was basically getting the ball seven times a game, and that wasn't good enough. He would want him more. He would want the ball ten times a game. They're not going to be able to force feed him that ball with all these other weapons around the young quarterback. And just that, dealing with the young quarterback, then we look at it from a, A.B.'s perspective. What's the way you can really get back at the Steelers? Outside of winning a Super Bowl. You win a Super Bowl with their biggest rival. You win it with the Ravens. We talked about his cousin, Hollywood Brown, being there. Strong leadership from the Ravens front office. Strong head coach. Young quarterback, yeah. He's not a precision passer like Big Ben. But know what he does do? Throw the deep ball. And A.B. can still run that deep route. It's the Ravens for me, man. It's the Ravens because he's going to be suspended his eight games. Boom, you drop him in middle of the season, and A.B. AB AB's going to show out if he goes to the Ravens. I'm not sure he can show out if he goes to the Bengals. I, I, don't, think, I don't think you can show I mean, why would you go to a quarterback that's not a passing quarterback? I mean, how, you talked about Antonio Brown getting upset in games. If he's upset with his quarterback who can pass the ball, what makes you think he's going to – I mean, I think he, he would be more of a concern in Baltimore where, hey, your quarterback just rushed for 130 yards, and you only got two touches this game, but let's all celebrate Lamar. He'll be ticked. I think he'll be more ticked at the fact that Lamar is rushing for 100-plus yards when he's saying, why are you rushing for them yards when you have wide receiver talent now? That's where I would see that pitfall. But good stuff there. We're going to get into this again to t- uh, to start hour number two. You're listening to the Justin Kinner Show live here on 1410 ESPN Radio, streaming live at wingam.com. And, of course, you can watch us on our Facebook page. Go find us on Facebook, Dayton's ESPN Radio Station. Search the Justin Kinner Show, and you can watch the Justin Kinner Show and be able to interact with us on Facebook. In fact, here's an example right here for those of you who are listening, and then you can watch, see it when you tune in. Uh, but uh, Ron Moore. Orland says that really the Bengals will not be going to sign or interested in Brown. Hell, the Browns need to sign them. I mean, it's always back to the Browns, man. I was nice. I was nice. I'll be mean. I'll be mean. Hour two. What's that? You got this story from where did you get this story from? Sports Illustrated, man. I thought it came from BengalsAllThat.com. Same thing. (laughs) More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Hour two. Bengals talk coming your way. Two, it's 
the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash right here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Reds Indians coming up later on tonight, 610, the first pitch. 540 will be the pregame. In fact, we'll be handing it off uh, a little bit prematurely uh, to, uh, of course, the Reds broadcast team, Tommy Thrawn, of course, the Cowboy. And uh, we'll have Reds lineups coming up for you here in just a little bit. Tyler Malley will be on the mound tonight for your Cincinnati Reds. Again, game two of a four-game split home-and-home series between the Reds and the Indians. Reds will wrap up the series, at least uh, their portion at home tonight uh, before hitting, hitting the road. That long road trip to Cleveland, Kev. <laughs> so, I know all about that drive. So there you go. But uh, Bengals reporter James Rapine with Sports Illustrated. Uh, and we're opening back up with this again. Put out an article late last night. Uh, he had shot me a note because in the past when we've had him on, he has mentioned before that, or I've mentioned to him before, that I believe Antonio Brown will make a lot of sense in Cincinnati. And by the way, I'm very well aware of his antics off the field. But I also am a believer in... If he's going to play for somebody, if if he's going to be catching touchdowns in the league, if he's going to be the best receiver in football, why not let it be in Cincinnati? Because if you sign him, if anyone else signs him and it doesn't work, then it wasn't supposed to work because it's Antonio Brown. But if you sign him and it does work, I would rather be on the right side of history than the wrong side as far as that's concerned. And there are a lot of teams, like for instance, the Baltimore Ravens. They are in a situation where they are expected to make the playoffs. They are expected to win that division. They are a Super Bowl favorite out of the AFC. Uh, One of the, because of course the favorite is Kansas City. Um, But there are a lot of teams that are looking to position themselves to be you know, that team that's going to kind of knock them off the throne a little bit. I mean, you look at what, you, you look at the fact that you have the Seattle Seahawks who make that huge move to go out and get the best secondary, to go get the best safety in football last week. Now they're rumored to be looking at Antonio mm-hmm. Brown or Josh Gordon. Right now, teams are looking at a, you, we could potentially be looking at a either Chiefs, Seahawks Super Bowl or Ravens Seahawks Super Bowl. The three best quarterbacks in the National Football League, Lamar Jackson, Pat, in no particular order, by the way, if, if fine, in, in order, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson. Three best quarterbacks in the league. It's no, it's no secret as to why all three of those teams are being super aggressive. It doesn't surprise me that the Seahawks and Ravens are both looking at Antonio Brown saying, hey, we're known for our defense. We have good offenses. We don't have explosive offenses. We don't have the offenses that look like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Antonio Brown helps move you up that ladder a little bit. So that's why it makes sense as to why those teams would do it. Then there's the teams that maybe don't make a lot of sense as far as that's concerned. Antonio Brown is 32. Uh, but at 15-1 to 1 odds, the Bengals are among the, f- uh, the betting favorites to sign Antonio Brown. They join the Packers, Seahawks, imagine this, the Buccaneers. There is some familiarity there with Tom Brady. He played well. I mean, again, it was one game, but he caught a touchdown. In his, lo- his only game with the Patriots, and he caught a touchdown. And that is the only quarterback to throw him a touchdown pass besides Brown. Amazing. Yeah. And and we know that when healthy, and and I mean mentally healthy too, he's the best receiver in football. Um, And you can argue other receivers, that's fine. I promise you, you're wasting your breath, though, because even if you're right and there's someone that's better, it's not by much to where you could justify saying that, oh, I don't want the second best wide receiver in football. I think that's a waste of of time there as far as that's concerned. Um, Over, under, you know, will Antonio Brown play any games in 2020? Uh, You know, you know the odds are on that as far as that teams to sign Antonio Brown. The Packers are two to one. Um, the the Seahawks are five to two. 
three to one Buccaneers. The Ravens are four to one. The Ravens aren't even high on that list um, as far as as that's concerned. The Eagles are in that conversation. I don't think the Eagles want to revisit history of <laughs> of diva wide receivers. Although the Eagles did get to a Super Bowl with the diva wide receiver, of course, they just didn't end in their favor. The Colts, the Jaguars, the Bears, and the Bengals, fifteen to one odds to land them. Not bad. Not bad. I got a question for you. You say Lamar Jackson is not a passer, right? You believe he's not That's a passer. That's what you've been doing over there? I'm going to yeah. take a damn computer away from you. <laughs> um, well, he is tied for one, two, three, four, five. Tied for seventh in the NFL seventh. last year. Wow. Alongside Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's also not looked at as one of the best passers in the league, at, but okay. At 66% completion percentage. Okay, but how many total passes is he actually throwing? Because the whole reason the Browns were able to get a win against the Ravens last year is because all they did was pack that box, and he can throw deep, and he had no weapons. He in the, can in the, throw in the, deep. The, he, can, he cannot throw deep. That's his best pass is the deep ball. He, and, and he has no one to throw it to, but, again, that, no one trusts that he – no, but maybe, that's the whole thing. He has no one to throw it to because it's free agent wide receiver. If I'm Antonio Brown, I don't want to play with Lamar Jackson. I want a quarterback that's going to throw me the ball, and I, I don't want my quarterback to be a running back. It's not a running back. He just can't Are run. you kidding? He's the second leading rusher in the league. And also the leading touchdown passer in the NFL with 36. Lamar Jackson last yes. year. Led all, this, uh, led led, all the NFL, led the entire entire NFL in touchdown passes with 36. Lamar Jackson led the entire NFL. Yes. Well, that totally screws up my entire argument as far as that's concerned as we currently see. Call here. me. No. <laughs> By the way, though, it still does not make any sense. If I am Antonio Brown, I don't want to play with a running back. I want to play with a real quarterback, and that is going to be Joe Burrow at some point. And the Bengals... Are going to be uh, they can they for one Antonio Brown's not going to be asking for a high dollar, right? Because Can't. he has no leverage. No leverage. Um, he's going to be no leverage, and he's coming into a season where he's going to be suspended for the first eight games. That's another reason why, if you're the Ravens, you shouldn't want him. He doesn't make sense for that. I mean, you you want to hit the ground running. I mean, you don't want to get a guy halfway through the season and then hope that he's going to be in shape to be able to go. That's why if he comes in and he's not in great shape for the Bengals, the Bengals aren't out of the playoffs because of it. The Bengals aren't a playoff team in 2020 to begin with. But he can't be a part of their playoff nucleus moving forward. That precious stat QBR, number one in the NFL. And why does no one look at him and say that he is an elite passing I don't, quarterback? I don't, I don't because know why. Every, if you turn on NFL, you know whatever show is on right now, I promise you, no one's talking about him as one of the best passers in the league. And the biggest critique about him was how he, he needed to improve as a passer. Of course, he needs to improve. It's his second year. Second year, you and everything that you're saying. And is he's correct. a and he's a good passer for a running back. Yeah, he's a good passer for, for a, a running back. back. For a runner for a quarterback. back. For a running back. Uh, for MVP. Running back. Don't forget that MVP of the league. No, you're not going to give him the MVP of the league, even though he won the MVP of the I'm NFL. I'm very well aware of the facts. Won the MVP, and all those stats that I just rattled off, he's number one. Touchdown passes, uh, ahead of Mahomes, ahead of Drew Brees, ahead of Dak Prescott, ahead of... But yet, uh, I would take Drew Brees over Lamar Jackson. I would not, take Aaron Rodgers over Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I would take Russell Wilson over Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I'd take Tom Brady over Lamar Jackson. Not today. Uh, yesterday. Nah. <laughs> and tomorrow. Um, <laughs> next, uh, I mean, who else am I missing here? I mean, there's a lo- there's a laundry list full of names that I would Ryan take. Tannehill. Oh, oh, especially Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Look at his QBR. Look at his QBR. 
Schrody, if you're listening, that one uh, was for you. But Bengals fans, let's hear from you. 457-9464. Your comments on Twitter. Of course, the text line, 210-9676, the ESPN Dayton Fan Hotline. 32 going on 12. Just what Joe Burrow needs in the locker room, Tom. uh, Yeah, Tommy. You know what Tom needs is a true number one wide receiver. But he has that. He has A.J. Green. A.J. Green, isn't he that receiver that used to play for the Bengals two years ago? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, I remember him. He was pretty good. What happened to him? You know, Welcome Stadium. You know that evil stadium that just totally destroyed his career? Yep, I know that that, that stadium. Isn't that stadium? Well, that, that's where the that's where UD football, right? That's where they play. They seem to you know do just fine. I think Adam Troutman, he survived uh, an entire career playing on Welcome Stadium, and he's you know he's going to be playing as a rookie with the Saints. We're not talking about tight ends. Who cares? We're talking about A.J. Green. A.J. Green, yeah, I haven't seen him play in two years. So please tell me what ask, weapons are so great, Tom, from Dayton, about A.J. Green right now. Please ask, tell my, me. ask Michael Irvin what it's like playing on a terrible field. Michael Irvin's career ended in Philadelphia because of their terrible field. Some Michael people Irvin get hurt. three Super Bowls. Yeah. But he also broke his neck in Philadelphia. But other guys didn't break their neck in Philadelphia. A.J. Green had that playoff game he played in. <laughs> Using Super Bowl legendary Michael Irvin in an A.J. Green conversation. I'm just saying, because you get hurt on a bad field and other people don't, it's the luck of the draw. All right, uh, another one comes in. I'm trying to figure out who this one. Oh, Steve from Fairborn. Sorry, Justin. I got to take Kev in a tussle, you poor degenerate gambler. <laughs> well played, sir. Uh, well played. I can't believe you (laughs) Bengals fans. I come in here all ready to go to say why I think that you have everything you need to be able to take on a guy like Antonio Brown because you're not out nothing. If you're the Ravens, you're gambling. How how are the Ravens gambling? Because if you bring him in and he destroys your locker room, you're out of the playoffs and you're expected to make the playoffs. There's no expectations for the Bengals. You can can only go up with Antonio Brown. So if the Ravens don't make the playoffs because of Antonio Brown, let's just say that. That was that's the, more devastating than Antonio Brown potentially destroying your first round pick. How your is first, he, first of all, how is he going to destroy him? What oh, name a quarterback so that was how, destroyed so by a receiver? So then, how can A B destroy the Ravens then? Because if Antonio Brown goes in and he doesn't live up to the expectations of being able to perform within that offense, and the Ravens miss the playoffs because you know they're just out of sync the entire year, year not. Career for Lamar Jackson, four five seven. He's only nine. playing. He's suspended eight games though. Oh, oh, then man. Then there you go. But four five seven nine four six four, Antonio Brown. Let's say goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals make the playoffs because of him. Great, it's a win right there. If they if he goes to Cincinnati, suspended eight games, and they miss the playoffs with them, who cares? They're not out anything. They were never expected. And please, I would love to know, people, what wide receiver out there? Name the biggest wide receiver out there that just destroyed the career of a quarterback. I would love to know. You guys, when you guys want to criticize, like I hear it with OBJ, I hear it with OBJ Antonio Brown. Now, I'm sorry, did, did the Patriots just? all of a sudden crumble last year because Antonio Brown came in and ruffled everything up. No, he got you know, himself kicked did, out. He got himself kicked okay. off the team. And if he gets himself kicked off the team in Cincinnati, so be it. It's not like all of a sudden the team, like Joe Burrow, oh man, he was a future MVP quarterback. But remember I, that one year that he played with Antonio Brown? Yeah, he ruined. Actually, that probably is something the Bengals fans would say because I, they're always making excuses. What I'm thinking is we're, we're neglecting to think about from A.B.'s perspective. We're talking about the teams and the teams will want him. The teams will want him. That's one side. But the other side is A.B. How can A.B. do what's best for him? And obviously what's best for him is winning games, right? Winning games and potentially winning the Super Bowl, right? 
So wouldn't the Seahawks or the Ravens put him in a better position to win those that Super Bowl? Possibly, but he's also looking to set himself up long term too. The, right, the long Seahawks term, are, he's thirty three years old. Ain't no long term. This is this thing is really? over. So he's just going to have five more one year contracts. This, this, five? You think he's going to play five more years? You so you think he's has three year three more yeah, one year contracts? Three, three, I'd say about three more years. Then why is AJ Green trying to get all that? long-term extension stuff. Oh, yeah. that you can try all you so want. It's about, it's about somebody giving it to I, you. If I find the Bengals and I have to give a long-term contract to a wide receiver, I'd rather go with the best receiver in football than the guy that I haven't seen play in two years. We haven't seen AB play either. But we know who Antonio Brown, at least last year, on the field, still producing right away. He produced in the single game he played. That's one more game than A.J. Green has played in the last two years, so I'll take that. Bottom line is Antonio Brown did not dip off talent-wise. There's no dip off talent We don't talent-wise. know. We do know. How, Sway? All of a sudden, he just got bad from what, last year to this year? <laughs> we don't know bad? because he can't stay no, on we the do field. Know. We do know what he can do. Let's go to Matt. Matt, what's up? Uh, first of all, I'm a little concerned about your Lamar Jackson like evaluation. Did you forget the whole 2019 season? Like He, he was a running back his rookie year. And he was a running back last year. He drastically improved as a passer and surprised everybody with that. Every critic out there, every show I listen to and watch, everyone says, oh, it's the passing game has to improve, has to improve. Now, I mean, I was wrong. I didn't realize the touchdown total, more power to him, good for him. As far as then It sounds like they don't need any more help at wide receiver if he's just throwing 37 <laughs> touchdowns. Why do you need Antonio Brown then? You have to be able to throw the ball to win the MVP. Like, you can't – Michael Vick didn't even get away with that. Nobody does. Okay. And you said Russell Wilson isn't a very good passer. I'm not sure. Like, do you are you watching these quarterbacks? Or you just like pick up the box score? Yeah, I pick up the box score, Matt. That's what I do. That's what I do. I'll make sure to call you like for it. for for advice next time. And now and now you want AB to come in and mess up a rookie's. How is he going to mess his, up? If 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 Joe Burrow lets a receiver mess him up for his career, then he is just as then he's worse than we ever thought he could be. That is career. so soft. That's embarrassing. If you think Antonio Brown can come in and just ruin the kid's career after one season with him, I don't know. Can you do, do you even do you have examples? Do you have examples of other receivers who have done this? Do you just look at uh, do you just look at a couple? stories and just base your whole opinion off that or do you actually know i want examples name a name a receiver that ruined a quarterback i'm dying to know they can ruin a season real fast i i we're not talking about a season and what in what that's season what the bengals the bengals aren't going to make the playoffs that's why i said the bengals, the bengals are you said you said he's going to ruin a young quarterback how is he going to ruin a young quarterback ruin his early development his early development the, the, i don't see bengals fans worried about that when their team took him so what why do we need to roll the dice with him? We're trying to get the Vontaze Burfix and Pac-Man Jones and all those idiots out of there. We don't want to put another one in there. You don't want to put the best player at a position on that roster. Again, he hasn't seen the field in a year and a half, but that, that's... Oh, I mean, but I'm pretty sure you were one of the Bengals fans waving the, let's sign A.J. Green to an extension. Uh, for one year, I liked it, yeah, because we, we know he can still play. Well, you just know. He hasn't played in two years. Uh, How? I'm the best wide receiver in the game. I didn't. I'm not. I'm not, not going to make those kind of claims when you haven't played in a year and a half. But you're okay with giving a long-term extension to a quarterback that's the same age you haven't seen play in two years. You're fine with that. But the other guy who you know can still play and has not missed time because of injuries. You, oh no, we don't want him. That's why the Bengals are a bunch of losers. They're a bunch of losers. The Browns yeah, have been the losers for a long time. But you know what? They said, hey. and, you know, OBJ, we're going to go out. And we're going to get. We're going to get one of the best receivers out in football and give our quarterback a chance to win. They didn't sit there and worry about what could be off the field. They just worried about what could be on the field. And on the field, Antonio Brown is the best receiver in football. Yeah, and, and that's why he's won so many titles, too. Oh, yeah, two years in the league. I mean, my goodness, where's his third Super Bowl, for goodness sakes? Yeah, well, uh, that was a pretty loaded roster, wouldn't you say? 
Oh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Nobody knew who Antonio Brown was until that year. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the, second, the second worst coach, the second worst coach in the AFC North was Freddie Kitchens. Or was uh, Zach Taylor. You know who's ahead of him? Freddie Kitchens. So there you go. Well, I, just, the long-term development of of a quarterback is not what I was talking about. That first year, those rookies can you can set their growth back a little bit. I mean, they, it could take them four or five years to develop instead of two or three if he's got an idiot barking in his ear the whole time and he can't run the offense. And it, okay, but uh, again, in all seriousness, and Matt, I appreciate you calling. Don't hang up on him yet, Matt. I will say this: I, the reason I agree with you um, uh, about being worried about. Joe Burrow in the early going. But my point was is that there's no expectations to make the playoffs. Wouldn't you, if you're Mike Brown, if there was ever a time to maybe gamble on a guy like Antonio Brown, the first year with Burrow would make sense. For one, you don't have him for the first eight games, so you allow those eight games for Burrow to develop without him. Then you get Antonio Brown back halfway through the season. Who knows? I think the Bengals have enough talent that if you add Antonio Brown on top of it, they might flirt with the playoff spot by the end of the year. That's all. I just If this was any other time, for one, he's on a rookie deal so they could afford him if they needed to. That's all. I said the same thing about the Browns. Normally, I wouldn't want OBJ, but because on a rookie deal they can afford him, why not take a chance? Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I mean, that, that, those are the risks they're probably assessing. And and the other part of this is, and I know this might sound a little, I, I like T. Higgins a lot, and I think that could hurt his development long term. By you know, because obviously Antonio Brown's going to come in whenever he gets there, and he's going to be the number one target because he's that talented. I just like to see this group. I, I don't know. I, it's worth the risk, uh, maybe, I, but I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't do it, but I, I could see the argument. All right. Well, see, we started out hot and we end calm. That's all that matters. But, hey, Matt, no, bottom line is I, I think that the Bengals are offense. When A.J. Green's healthy, they, their offense is as good as the Browns on paper right now, and who knows. I, I'm a big Joe Burrow fan, and it pains me to be as uh, nice about him as I, I, I hate to be for a Bengals quarterback. Put it that way. Yeah, well, we, we like, hey, welcome aboard, man. It's good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Take care, man. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Four, five, seven, nine, four, six, four. Uh, Justin, you are a moron. Shake my head. Promote your Browns. Heck, when you get a Browns player, a coach on your show, uh, you might be. Oh, man. I got all the Bengals fans all fired up. And I'm pulling for the team. I don't get what people are so fired up for. Dude, when's the last time the Browns are in the play? Oh, Ron, you're going to bring them same tired arguments to the conversation. Come on, Ron. No, Ron. No, it's, it's Ron 2.0. Oh, okay. Ron 2.0. What up, Deuce? <laughs> he says, dude, when's the last time the Browns are in the playoff? Really? We're going to go that round? When did I see? <laughs> we'll be back in a moment. Hour, no, not hour two, segment two. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Thinking of you, what kinder words could be more meaningful at a time like this? At First Florist and Greenhouses, we know everyone is coping the best they can. And when hugs are not possible, a kind word or gesture can bring comfort and a smile. So today, make that phone call or send a heartfelt note to someone you care about. And if you'd like to send a fresh bouquet of flowers, we can help with that. We're First Florist and Greenhouses at 1306 Troy Street and local family-owned business since 1905. And we're thinking of you. With Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. So, like I've been saying, uh, the Ravens uh, should get Antonio Brown. <laughs> 
I'm trying to figure out where everything just went sideways as far as that goes. It went off the rails. I was expecting today to be a good day. I, I thought me and the Bengals fans would bond a little bit. I thought we would have a good connection. I thought that you know I'd be coming in saying, "Hey, I think that you know the Bengals are in good shape to go get a time." People just hate Antonio Brown. That's just the bottom line. That's just, but I guess at the end of the day, it's just one of those where he's going to play again. Yes, and he's going to be catching touchdowns. And I mean, we could sit there. I mean, and let's be clear here too. There's a lot of history issues with a lot of Cincinnati Bengals. And, again, a lot of those guys are gone. Uh, but the Bengals were also willing to overlook Joe Mixon's past uh, and the mistakes he made. Um, but the difference is I think that they were well-vetted on Joe Mixon's issues and were convinced that that was uh, not part of his character moving forward. I right. don't know if you could make that same argument, um, of course, about Antonio Yeah, there's a Brown. big difference uh, between... So that's not fair to Mixon because I like Mixon. I, you know, I, you know. Yeah, there's he hasn't a, been a distraction. Right, yeah, there's a big difference between uh, someone being 19, 20 years old. Obviously, what Mixon did when he was 20 years old or 19, whatever it was, uh, was wrong by hitting a, a female. But I would even venture to say what AB, I mean, shoot, what he is uh, accused of doing is far worse. Oh, and absolutely. obviously the stuff we've seen on video with him and uh, the mother of his children. So, you know, but just talking the football aspect of it, Whoever gets them, be it the Ravens, be it the Seahawks, be it the Bengals, be it the Buccaneers, they're getting one hell of a playmaker. And obviously, if everything goes right, meaning him not be a distraction, definitely be an addition to a team. But that's the thing about it. And over the last couple stops, he's been nothing but a distraction. I mean, shoot, look at the time he went and tried out for the Saints. That turned into a whole debacle, and they needed another receiver to go alongside yeah, Michael that, that Thomas. Was, that was weird that they were doing that because at the end of the season, I was like, like week, yeah. week 15, and they were like, yeah, come down for a tryout. They were doing that for a PR thing. I'm not really sure what the PR stunt would have been because that was so dumb of them to do unless it was like, okay, let's, you know, we might as well test him out even if we can't get him for the playoff run this year, maybe for next year, mainly because... They they knew that he was going to be facing a suspension when he came back into play anyways, and we now know what that suspension is. I mean, teams have to sit there and juggle. Okay, if we sign Antonio Brown, uh, we have him for eight games, or we yeah eight games maybe more if you're a playoff team. Uh, but I just thought that you know if you are a playoff team like the Ravens, you're eight games in, you're rolling. Now again, the trade deadline's what week six. So, I mean, teams add players all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but you would think that, I mean, if you are the Cincinnati Bengals, you would be in a spot where you would have less to lose than the Ravens. You have less expectations than the Ravens. And I'm not a believer in, I'm not a believer at all in quarterbacks or receivers being able to ruin quarterbacks. And the Bengals are going to be very cautious of Joe Burrow. And if Antonio Brown came in and even looked at him the wrong way, he would probably be gone. So it's not, I mean, we've seen teams get rid of him many times before. So it's not as if he's on the Bengals, that like he's on the Bengals and they just have to deal with him for a year. I mean, I'm sure, and that's the thing, they would have the opportunity to negotiate a contract that would allow them to get out. Uh, it would be an incentive-based contract probably right. early up front. And you're right, 32 years old, he's not going to get a four-year deal. Or maybe he will. I don't know. Uh, the Bengals wouldn't do that. I would think that they wouldn't. 
Um, but they're in a situation where if any team could take a chance and it not cost them anything, the Bengals would be that. Because it's not going to cost you anything, and the upside is, oh, man, you just provided your rookie quarterback with weapons. I say that all the time. We always sit there and, and judge rookie quarterbacks, but a lot of rookie quarterbacks don't have talent around them. The reason that I was so high on Baker Mayfield in his rookie year with the Browns was is because they actually had weapons around him. Um, I had higher expectations for him because he had weapons around him. When you put weapons around rookies, they're not that far off from a finished product. I mean, they're not a finished product, but it's not as if it's like in other pro sports where you got to develop them for two or three years before they're players. That's not the case in the NFL, and it's definitely not the case at quarterbacks, especially in recent history. Joe Burrow's going to have that chance. Now, to some of the Bengals fans' arguments of it, there's, it's not necessary right now. You have A.J. Green, you have Boyd and others, but your window to win and win now is four years. So to sit here and take year one of four and say, oh, well, no, we're not going to approach it. We're, we're fine with what we have. That's kind of a weird thing. Foot, think, weird things can happen in football. I mean, the Browns were expected to win, didn't win. The Bengals aren't expected to win. They could turn around and win nine or ten games this year. You never know what can happen. And if you get Antonio Brown, Joe Burrow, the sky's the limit as far as that in his rookie year. Um, I mean, Dan Marino, uh, you know, that's what Ron just messaged in a little bit ago about that. The other Ron, the Ron. Oh, the Ron. The Ron. The real Ron. Uh, brought up that. And, you know, I'm definitely not saying the Bengals are going to Super Bowl. I'm just saying we've seen that when you put You heard talent, it here first. No. I'm just saying, like, you put talent around rookie quarterbacks, good things happen. It doesn't always mean playoffs or Super Bowl. It just means the Browns, again, they didn't even make the playoffs Baker's rookie year. But you would have thought they won the Super Bowl, and that's fine because expectations are everything. If you have a guy that can make your fans feel like you're onto something, that's a win in itself. That's the equivalent you know, to, to making the playoffs or whatever because as long as your fans feel like you got something special, that's all that matters. But Where did the Browns come in that list? Of what? teams assigned AB. He's not even, they're not not even on, on the radar. Eh? They're not on that list. What if he was on their radar? What would you think? Uh, I mean... If, like, with OBJ, it wouldn't make any sense. I mean, it would be kind of neat. But Jarvis Landry, I mean, so what, who, which of those is going to be the, the three? Uh, no, Ron, you're not the Ron. Ron, the other Ron is the Ron. I'll let you guys figure that out on Facebook. They're, you know, <laughs> trying to figure it out now. Uh, but if they got him, I mean, my, my motto is if my team is, if my owners are trying to, if my team's owners are trying to provide my quarterback with talent, so be it. Because I'd rather have, I'd rather be bad at Mike Brown for tr- taking a chance on talent than spending the next five years like we did the last five saying, Mike Brown, what are you doing? Why aren't you getting talent? Why aren't you getting talent? And now we're going to get mad if he goes out and gets talent? I still think the Bengals make a lot of sense. We'll see. Especially at least for a half a season. And you know what? He's going to be suspended for eight. The league may not even make it out of week two. So <laughs> we're doing all this yelling and hollering for no. <laughs> Once again, no I'm supposed to say stuff like that, not you. Reason as far as that's <laughs> concerned. But um, so real quick while we're on the topic of the Browns, um, it was interesting because Odell Beckham Jr. was saying that he was, he's hoping that there's no season, but he will not opt out. Um, but he, And they talked about it on first take today, and it got me to thinking about, you know some quotes that he made, and he was he brought up race. He brought up race. He's talking about the owners of the NFL, and I was not. I did not agree with what he had to say. Here's what OBJ had to say about the upcoming season. For one, he's not a fan of there being a season. Doesn't think that there should be a season. Um, he goes, we're not ready for a football season, so why are we trying to push forward? It's obviously for their money, um, Beckham added, and that bothers me because there's always been this, and I hate saying it like this, but the owner's attitude is we own 
you guys and just kind of that unfairness going on that they don't see us as human i just feel like the season shouldn't happen and i'm prepared for it no matter what happens and i wouldn't mind not having it the problem i have with that is with all the racial things going on in the world i have no problem addressing those issues i just don't think that this is one especially when no one is forcing anyone to do anything in fact uh, the opt-out date is thursday uh for you still to make money opt out and still make your money it's not as if you are just not going to get you know so i have a huge problem with that especially from a guy that is making the millions and millions and millions of dollars that he has there is no pressure on him to play outside of the traditional well, we kind of need you to, to contend and win. I mean, I don't think, and by the way, if anyone thinks that every time a player opts out that the teams are like, good for you, buddy, you know internally they're frustrated. And that comes from a competitive standpoint, mm-hmm. not a we own you standpoint. I don't like when we use the, 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 when they use the slave references with sports owners because you're being paid. So I don't like that. Now, the Clippers deal years ago, that was a completely different conversation, especially when you had the you know, the, the video and the comments that he was making. But OBJ's making something out of nothing here, and especially you had the, the players' union that just worked out a deal on behalf of the players, and now you have him coming out and saying, that oh, they're acting like they own us and are telling us what to do. Well, that's if you have the smallest of small jobs to the biggest of big jobs, you're going to have someone telling you what to do. And if you want to spin it that way, fine. But I don't think that this is what that situation is. I'm not a fan of how he took that, to be honest with you. He's a distraction. He's going to ruin Baker Mayfield. I don't want him on my team. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> no, uh, OBJ for me has always been a polarizing figure, even since his days at LSU. Um, he's been a guy that speaks his mind, and you know how I feel about people that speak their mind. I'm all for it. Speak your truth. That's fine with me. doesn't necessarily mean everybody's going to agree with you or that I agree with him. I don't necessarily agree with this reference of of how things are going because – the way I look at it with the NFL, especially the NFL, the players do have the right to opt out and still be paid. They have up until Thursday. I know there was some talk about that date being moved up because of training camps opening and they wanted to know prior to everything like that. But that got worked out. So it's still this Thursday that they have a chance to opt out. Um, the easy answer for OBJ would be you and I to be like, well, if you don't want to play, just opt out and you can keep your money and keep it pushing. Um, but I think the more complex uh, answer to that is why do you feel this way? Why do you believe this? What, explain yourself as opposed to just saying these things. You know, I could I could personally feel the same way and I do feel some type of way about, you know, league league owners and how they do players and things of that nature. And I know you and I go back and forth about that especially with college football but i think i do a better job of explaining it than what obj did in his statement i mean i get it there's millions upon millions of dollars at stake not only in the nfl but in college football and like we talked about yesterday not only are people at the institutions the coaches and everybody that works there affected the mom and pop shops are affected in these college towns and that's the same thing in the nfl um where where you have a stadium, say that the NFL stadiums are going to be at, I don't know, 10% capacity. That still means somebody is working the concession stands. That means somebody's working the parking lot. That means somebody is uh, um, checking tickets. So these these are the things that NFL players and, and also college players need to think about, like, you know, this is what I'm responsible for, not only my well-being, my personal pockets, but the league itself, uh, the franchise that I play for, and 
you know, Bob that works in the concession stand. He's getting hours because we're here to play. And so it's a litany of things that go into when you say things like this and when you try to break it down and say that they're forcing us to play. I don't necessarily believe that they're being forced to play, but I do believe they're put themselves in a bind to play. There is pressure from not only your teammates, uh, your coaching staff, uh, your, I mean, OBJ has a sneaker deal with Nike. You know, there there's pressures. There may not be direct, hey, man, you got to get out there and play. You got to get out there. We got to get this money. It, it may not be as blunt as that, but there are pressures that these guys face, and that pressure is, hey, man, we need you on the field. It's the same pressures that when these guys get hurt, where they're taking these pills to get on the field to play. It's that type of pressure. It isn't direct, overt pressure in your face. It's that that look, that side look, that everybody gets that look that's, that's worked a job before, like from their boss, or you can take it back to when you're a high school kid working a part-time job. How many of us have worked a part-time job as a high school kid and are you worked more hours than you're supposed to because you're a minor because your boss gives you that look and you feel compelled to help out the team? We've all been there. So these are the type of things that he's dealing with, and not only him, but other professional athletes but he did a poor job of explaining that by just saying but that's not racism like that's not right like how do we not experience that in our jobs right like if i went to my boss and said i mean we're expected to be at work too i mean when things go wrong we're expected to be at work i mean that happens at the lowest of levels at the highest level i just don't get how i mean I'm all for if athletes are experiencing something that needs to be brought attention to, fine. But this is not, in my opinion, this is definitely not one of them um, because it's you have the choice to play or not. And sure, there's pressure if you don't. But, I mean, there's pressures if you go to a McDonald's around here uh, and there's pressure to, for employees to work at McDonald's. And I'm not being disrespectful to McDonald's. You know what I mean. I'm just saying, like, that's every person experiences that, This, is, uh, in my opinion. Um, and sure, maybe there's some other underlying tones that maybe I'm not picking up on, and I'll admit that. But uh, as far as this goes, I mean, you have the, hey, we're all playing during a pandemic. If you don't feel safe, don't play. Cool. You can opt out by this date. You're still going to get paid. And to say that there is a that there is a racial tone there, I don't get how that's a racial tone. When everyone has the option to sit out, everyone has the option to play, everyone's going to get paid if they don't play. Everyone will, you know, as long as they're following those rules. I just thought this was a very weird take because there's so, I mean, Muffler calling attention to something, but you got to be careful when you're calling attention to something. You have to understand how much weight is being carried mm-hmm. in 2020. And I don't feel bad for the real racists out there, but you got to understand how many how much weight is carried when you're calling someone racist or when you're trying to bring racial attention to something that maybe isn't there. Because the Browns owners are probably sitting there saying like, "What? The? I'm trying to figure out how to get our gas stations out of debt, and you're sitting here calling me racist." Like, <laughs> so that's all I guess is it's just we had. I, I think that as much as I'm all for making sure you bring attention to certain things, being cognizant of the weight of when you bring attention to something, you got to be careful on how you say it. If you know, Drew Brees and other white athletes have to be careful of how they say things that might mm-hmm. be misconstrued. Then I think that if we're going to be talking race, that same balance has to be on the other side of, well, I got to be careful. I'm not going to call my owners racist because you know how much weight's going to come with that, that if they're not and I'm calling them that, that that's my biggest complaint when it comes to that. Um, and I hope that I came across making sense there. But if not, yeah, it would be the first me. time. I just think, like, there is a something going on with the Patriots, though. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not saying something racial, but I'm saying there's something else going on. They have the most guys in the league that have opted out. And I just, you know. Who, the Browns have or the Patriots Patriots, have? Patriots. That's what I'm saying. Like, it has to be. I, do you even do you look at the box score? I mean, do you even. <laughs> re- 
No, but yeah, the Patriots. They have um, a ton of guys, and not just guys, like starters. Yep. <laughs> like tanking. <laughs> That's what it is. Tanking. You finally, hey, you finally have some credence to that argument. Trevor finally, Lawrence. Finally. This Trevor is the, Lawrence. This is the first time I'll give you props. This is the first time I say, okay, you have a justified it wasn't. It wasn't the spending zero dollars in the free in in the off season. And I'll never spend uh, money in it, free agency. It wasn't uh, trading away your only draft. You had one. Uh, you had the first round draft. It wasn't trading it away. in a year that you knew you were losing Tom Brady. It wasn't. Oh, we're not going to draft a quarterback this year. It's not. You know, you go out and get Cam Newton, take a chance and see what you get there. But all I'm saying, that still is weird to me. That's the only wrinkle in that tanking plan because the tanking plan was move forward with that quarterback you already had. All right, we'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash next. Craving juicy, hand-breaded, beer-battered chicken tenders? Thought so. Get the Buffalo Wild Wings for five chicken tenders and fries for only $9.99. Get them plain or in any of our 24 sauces and seasonings. Whichever sauce you choose, you can't go wrong with beer-battered chicken tenders. So get the Buffalo Wild Wings for five chicken tenders plus fries for only $9.99. At participating Dayton locations for a limited time. Dine-in only. Excludes tax and gratuity. Not valid with any other offer. Valid on regular fries. ESPN Radio and on the stream at wingam.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. Justin Kenner, Kevin Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Live on Facebook. If you're out and about and you haven't followed the station page, please do so. Every day from 3 to 6, you can listen live at 1410 Wing AM. You can stream it live at wingam.com. And, of course, you could watch it live on our ESPN Dayton. Mom, we appreciate you, too, as well. What about the other Ron? Uh, he's been chirping. I haven't. I'll, I'll go back to his stuff. I'm messing with you, Doc. All right. Uh, Reds in action tonight. Game two between the Reds and the Indians. The Reds came away last night with a huge, uh, with a huge game one win. Uh, you know, Sonny Gray going six innings, throwing over 100 pitches. But again, he's three and zero on the season. Sonny Gray is having a fantastic start uh, to this 2020 Reds season. Him and Trevor Bauer have been fantastic, uh, especially from a wins perspective. But performance wise, I mean, when you look at Luis Castillo, you look at Trevor Bauer, you look at Sonny Gray, all three of the aces, or all three of the top guys in that rotation have just killed it for the Reds. Um, and then, you know, you have to be happy with what you saw from Anthony DiScafani and his last start over the weekend as well. So keep in mind, you know, if Anthony DiScafani puts together another solid outing, all right, another great outing, now you have four pitchers who are just rolling right now. The Reds started out one and four. They've won four of their last five. They're five and five. They're right at 500, looking to go above 500 with the win tonight, game two, against the Cleveland Indians. Kev, let's take a look at the starting lineup for tonight. If you're watching, uh, if you're watching on Facebook, you'll be able to see the lineup. Um, if not, of course, well, here's this. You can listen to it. It is radio. I mean, right? Isn't that the whole purpose of all this? That's right? what they say. All right. Reds lineup for tonight again. Reds Indians game two, six ten. The first pitch, uh, five forty will be the pregame. In fact, uh, we have about just under an hour remaining here. Kevin, I do before we hand it off uh, to Tommy Thraw and the Cowboy. But another game. Where the Reds really did not tinker with the lineup. David Bell has really allowed this lineup to breathe a little bit. Shogo Akiyama will get the leadoff in left field and bat first, batting second, and at first pace is Joey Votto. Nick Castellanos, he'll get the start in right field, and he'll bat third, batting fourth in the cleanup spot at second base is Mike Moustakis. Eugenio Suarez at third base, batting fifth, batting sixth for some reason, who's 0 for 1,000, Jesse Winker. Batting seventh, Nick Senzel missed last
last night's game due to injury. Back in the lineup tonight. That's a good sign. Freddie Galvis, he will bat eighth, the shortstop, and batting ninth, the catcher, Tucker Barnhart. And that is your lineup here for tonight. Someone tweeted into the show asking how in the world um, is how in the world is Jesse Winker still uh, the DH for the Reds at this point? I mean, he just continues to whiff, whiff, and whiff some more, and that's a good question. Shogo Akiyama, Joey Votto, Nick Castellanos, your one, two, and three hitters. Four, five, and six belong to Moustakis, Suarez, and Winker. And seven, eight, nine, you have Nick Senzel, Freddie Galvis, and Tucker Barnhart. Tyler Malley will be on the mound. 6-10 the first pitch, 5-40 the pregame. Again, game two uh, between the Reds and the Indians. Game three tomorrow and game four on Thursday. Uh, and those final two games will be in Cleveland. Uh, but I like that lineup. This is the best lineup. Kevin, you know, just last week I was talking about how I couldn't stand the fact that David Bell continuously kept messing with the lineup, was making decisions that made zero sense, you know, not leading Shogo off. I mean, you you signed Shogo. I go back to the press conference. All they talked about was, oh, leading Shogo off. You know, Shogo Akiyama, he's going to be a great leadoff hitter. And then the first week of the season, you have him batting sixth or not playing at all <laughs> or not even starting. Um, he's led off all week. Uh, the Reds have won four of their last five with this lineup, coincidentally, Kev. They've won four of their last five, and all those wins have come with this lineup. Keep it this way. Keep it this way. So that's all I care about. You don't touch something if it's working. Uh, but uh, Chris Harold, he messages in. Uh, just tuning in. Sorry if you've already talked about it, but have you been happy uh, with David Bell here lately? Yes, I've been happy with David Bell here lately. Uh, leaving the lineup alone, he's been letting the starters kind of go a little bit deeper into ball games, which has been important. And maybe, just maybe, he was, um, you know, easing his starters into the season because you don't want to throw him out there for 100-plus pitches. You know you had a shortened spring training that was simulated during summer camp. Maybe that was the case. Um, but, you know, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, they've all thrown over 100 pitches their last couple starts, um, and they've been going deep into the ballgame. So, yes, David Bell kind of letting guys play a little bit. I don't know if uh, what, what has changed in his decision-making, but I think he's kind of letting his lineup breathe a little bit and letting the rotation breathe. And it's easy to let the rotation breathe when... You have those kind of starters, and it's also also easier to let this lineup breathe when you have that kind of contribution uh, from that lineup. So Reds and Indians, one more time. They'll be coming up under an hour from now, 540, the pregame, 640, or 610, I'm sorry, will be the first pitch. Chris, thanks for the question. Hour two in the books, hour three. Coming up, the OHSAA announced, uh, put out a press release today regarding the ability to be able to watch high school football this fall because with limitations, no fans at games coming up this this fall if there's high school football. How are you going to watch the games? Well, they made a little revision. You're going to be able to watch the games on Friday, but schools are going to charge media outlets to be able to carry the games. Is that right or is that wrong? We're going to discuss next. It sounds a lot like college if you ask me. Kevin's probably thinking the high schoolers need to get a cut of that money. Need to do that again. You weren't on the screen. I've got to get a cut of that, but Kevin's all about the money for the players. Hour three, next. Show live here on ESPN Dayton. There we go. If you like the other beat, you need another beat to kind of get you in the, in the rhythm a little bit. Do, you got to do what you got to do. We brought you back. five o'clock dance, man. That five o'clock dance, dog. I'll let you set the tone. Hey, Justin Kenneth, Joe Kev, Nash with you. Reds play my beloved tribe here. What time is uh, first pitch? Uh, 6-10. There you go. Look at you. Hey. I go on them vacations I've been talking about. <laughs> you know how many vacation days you got? You do me a favor. <laughs> Get your stuff together, would you? Bravo. Bravo. I can't help it, man. I can't help it.
I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I had one shouting match earlier today with the caller, and I apologized to him at the end, you know. But I have this desire to be right. I have to be right, and even when I'm wrong, I have to be right. It's it's a it's a turnoff. I get it. It's not for everybody. Um, my take on uh, Lamar Jackson being a horrible passing quarterback, and then Kev comes in with this stupid stat about how he led the league in touchdowns last year, and then I had nothing. And then Matt calls in. Matt, shout out to Matt. Uh, Matt comes in swinging too, and I'm like, oh, pow, pow. It was like Kevin and Matt just. I, I was like, okay, we got to reset here. We got to reset. I think we, me and Matt, all wanted the same thing. We just wanted the best for the Bengals in that particular situation, and he was looking at me as the enemy, which is fine. That's so. That, that's usually the case. I'm usually not what's best for the Bengals anyways. Uh, but now, earlier in the show, uh, if you're just tuning in, we discussed the, the Bengals are the odds-on favorite to land Antonio Brown. For me, and I thought I would have more company in this little side of the room over here, but apparently that's like the last thing that Bengals fans want, talent. <laughs> <laughs> just can't help yourself. Just can't help it, man. Well, I mean, Matt, I mean, I love Matt, but when he comes in, you, you don't sign Antonio Brown who hasn't played for two years, but you want to give A.J. Green an extension? Well, yeah. Well, he hasn't played for two years either. So that's all that's... Yeah. Yeah. I but would. ultimately, we all wanted the same thing. I wouldn't give A.J. Green an extension either, to be perfectly honest. You know, but A.J. Green... But when I keep hearing from... And by the way, I have no problem with the with the Bengals extending him, but the, the max dollars that he's asking for in the, in the long-term extension, absolutely not. And maybe the Bengals are looking at a situation here where if they are looking at this deal... Um, you know, Antonio Brown could be your because I think that they're hoping that AJ Green returns to form this year. Uh, for for me, not being a Bengals fan but a Joe Burrow fan, I hope AJ Green is healthy. I hope that that gives Joe Burrow uh, a weapon to be able to you know provide you know to be able to put him in a situation to continue to grow and get better in his rookie season, which that's all that matters. But Antonio Brown, I mean Antonio Brown, the player. My opinion is usually just based on Antonio Brown, the player. I, when I'm in bringing up Antonio Brown, it's not as if you're going to tell me something I don't know about his past or about the fact that he could be a potential distraction. I just think in sports, Kev, we have these narratives that we create that we talk about a lot that I don't think exist. I don't. I mean, do do people truly fear that Antonio Brown is just going to ruin Joe Burrow's career? Like, I think that's dramatic. A lot of Bengals fans on Facebook that have called in that are just so concerned that Antonio Brown is just going to ruin Joe Burrow's career. And if Joe Burrow's career gets ruined because of Antonio Brown, then maybe Joe Burrow wasn't that good to begin with. And I know that's not the case. I'm just saying, if you are that bad that you let a receiver just ruin your entire athletic career, then you weren't that strong between the ears to begin with. So I'm just saying, as far as that's concerned, I think we overblow that. I think that teams want talent. And that's why Antonio Brown will play again at some point in 2020, because he has talent. It's just a matter of fact of whether it's going to be in Cincinnati or not. So, some of the quarterback beefs. Let's go back and look at some of the wide receiver quarterbacks. Without beefs. bringing them up, some of the I can remember, like Jeff Garcia, T.O. Yes. Donovan McNabb, T.O. Uh, Tony <laughs> Romo, T.O. That is all I got. <laughs> uh, obviously, Antonio Brown and Big Ben, um, OBJ, and it really wasn't. That's no, the thing. OB, that, was, that was not a beef with. That was more Eli the Manning. just losing. That, that was, was more losing, losing. That was coaching. I don't. I don't put that on OBJ. Even though I'm not the biggest OBJ guy in the world, I wouldn't put that on like the quarterback and him beefing. That was just like a whole. 
organization situation. But yeah, like I'm thinking about it, it's three TO situations. Obviously, A B and no, no one's got nothing on TO. Oh no! Like we, I mean, oh, what about uh, Dante Culpepper and Randy Moss? But again, that Not wasn't a Dante Culpepper versus Randy Moss deal. You know, that's why I'm like, usually when wide receivers are divas. There's not a lot of examples in history of QBs versus wide receivers. T.O. was just, that was his thing, man. He, he got off to that, I guess. I don't know. He loved making quarterbacks, his quarterbacks, like hell. I'll never understand that. Um, but no, usually if a diva wide receiver usually doesn't ruin the quarterback. I think it's just, I think people are saying you don't want that disruption in the locker room because he's a young quarterback. And I, I get that. I understand that. But. And I get what you're saying also. Why not give him more weapons? Like, shoot, what's better than weapons? More weapons. But what does that mean? Again, I think that's another narrative that we that they sound good, and I use them too, so I'm not saying oh, that you're – but that's the, the example you just brought up, it's another narrative in sports that I think we just make up. Oh, that he doesn't need that distraction in the locker room. Well, then we're – I'm offended. If I'm Joe Burrow, I'm offended because I'm looking at, like, guys – you know how many quarterback battles I had to deal with in college? You know how many times I had to scratch and crawl to get to my first starting spot and to the amount of improvement that I had to make to get from being just an average quarterback that was a graded as a fifth or sixth round draft pick heading into last season and all the improvement I had to make to leave as the number one overall pick in the NFL draft with the Heisman Trophy and a national championship. To me, we're not giving Joe Burrow enough credit. I think the guy is mentally strong enough to be able to put up with an Antonio Brown as far as Hey, he's in the locker room. He's being a distraction, but that's not changing my course. Um, and I don't think there's a lot of quarterbacks that let that get them off their course. I just think we have these narratives that they sound good, but I don't think you can give examples of that. I think they all go back to T.O. Because I think about the split of the locker room, the Philadelphia Eagles locker room was split, and it got kind of blamed on T.O., but it was really on McNabb for talking about someone else's money. And that's where the locker room split began. So you think back on those situations, it really all goes back to T.O. Yep. And it depends on your perspective on T.O. Is he the locker room killer? What did uh, Skip used to call him? Team Obliterator. All uh, the it, cute little nicknames he has, I tell you. So to put everything on T.O. is wrong um, because I was a big McNabb fan back in the days. But, you know, when he started talking about another person's money and what they should and should not be getting – uh, that place for your own team, you cross the line. Do not talk about another man's money, especially in sports. Um, so that aspect, I know they beefed. Uh, you know, there was fights in the locker room, T.O. fighting uh, guys on the defense and fighting guys on the offense. And then, obviously, the situation they had with Tony Romo down in Dallas. And then, what, a week later, crying, talking about that's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. So, like, I think it all goes back to T.O. The Jeff Garcia one, too. Oh, yeah. that called him I, gay. That was just like, bruh. I mean, he was calling him gay. He was calling him everything. And this is like uh, in yeah. 95, dude. This isn't like. Back when you were allowed to call people that. Like, he was just going all out. He was just going all out in the media. Um, <laughs> I'm not trying to <laughs> What? It's true. Like, I mean. But you're right. I mean, the thing is, he got away with it back then. T.O. wasn't, I mean, when he was call, coming out calling Jeff Garcia gay, he got away with it back then because you you could say whatever back then and no one batted an eye at it. You try that now. Oh, no. 
Oh, you know, no. try calling your quarterback gay now and see what happens. Even if your quarterback's gay, try. It's even worse when they're not when you call him that. I mean, that's the thing. So he was T.O. was not made for 2020. He was <laughs> T.O. was made for you know his time when he played. My point is, is that I don't think there's ever. T.O. might be the worst teammate wide receiver in the history of the league. Um, Randy Moss was not a bad teammate. He was he had beef with the with the team and I've always said this by the way. In fact, I wanted a little bit more of this out of AJ Green when it came to the Bengals. I wanted a little bit more fire from him. Mm-hmm. I wanted him to kind of call out the organization when they weren't going out and drafting the right pieces, when they weren't signing the right free agents, when they weren't giving Andy Dalton more help, when they those types of things because ultimately AJ Green should care about it as much about that offensive line as Andy Dalton should have, mainly because hey, if you protect the guy that's, you know, I need the ball. I get the ball from that guy and that guy can't get me the ball because of those guys. Right. So, I wish there was a little bit more fire, a little more Randy Moss, a little more Antonio Brown, just a tad, not all the off the field stuff. You know what I'm talking about. I don't mind like OBJ for instance. People that ripped him for all the oh punching the the kick, you know, the kicking stand and all that and the, I didn't mind that. He was mad because they were losing. I like a little fire. I like a guy that is mad because they're losing. By the way, the game that he kicked that stand in, he had over 100 yards receiving. He was pissed because they were losing. So that's what I loved about OBJ was that his fire came from the desire, and he's a diva. Don't, I'm not defending him. But he wanted to win. And that's what drove me nuts about A.J. Green. A.J. Green's like, eh, I'm fine. What? Hey, you're 2-14. and 14. What, do you, what do you think about Cincinnati? I love it here. I want to finish my career here. You have OBJ who's like, man, I want to, yeah, I got my money, but I want to win. I, I respect that more than AJ Green, who's just content with eh, two and fourteen. What do you think? Oh, I love it here. <laughs> I just love losing. I love Cincinnati. Cincinnati is everything to me. Uh, Chris Harold said Stone Hands. <laughs> Let's see what you did. <laughs> boy, oh boy, Stone Hands, Stone Hands, boy. Um, but so I guess we went through all of that conversation to have this one. I think Antonio Brown's biggest issue is not on the field. It's off. Oh, yeah. And he had beef with, with Ben Roethlisberger. But let's be clear, Roethlisberger, yes. he poked that bear a little bit, For too. sure. He poked that bear a little AB bit, too. AB had beef with Big Ben. Uh, Thanks, Kev, with, from Chris, by the way. No problem. Uh, beef with Juju. Um, shoot, beef, obviously, with Mike Tomlin. Beef with, who else he was beefing with? He was uh, beefing with Ryan Clark, even though Ryan Clark technically was not on the team anymore. Ryan Clark obviously works for ESPN. Beefing with Ryan Clark. Um, yeah, it's the off-the-field stuff. It's always off-the-field stuff. So, and again, if it's the off-the-field stuff, that does not impact Joe Burrow, in my opinion. If it was a T.O. example, that impact that would impact Joe Burrow. Antonio Brown's issues would not. So we had oh, a comic, yeah. we, who was we, the GM with the uh, Mike Mayock mm-hmm. beef with Mike Mayock as well when he was with well, the I mean, he's, I mean, but win go to I mean again, but the Bengals aren't a winner, so there's going to be that problem there too if they don't play well. Uh, if Joe Burrow doesn't start out well and doesn't get him the ball and those types of things that could be a problem. But you know, you want to play with. Ta- I mean, we're going to get mad at the talented wide receiver who's mad that the quarterback whose job it is to get him the ball can't get him the ball. We always get mad at the wrong people. Sometimes I think that. The rest of the league needs to get that more competitive. I don't want the rest of the league to be like Antonio Brown. Oh, I just boy. think that what makes Antonio Brown gr- great is also what hurts him. What makes OBJ great is what hurts him. Uh, what makes T.O. great, what made him great, is also was his Achilles heel. I mean, like, you know, that, that super uber competitive drive that I think A.J. Green lacks. And I have no problem saying that, and I know people aren't going to like that, but it's true. 
Do you see what I mean? If I say it calm and less trolly, I don't know if people will take that differently. Um, my point was OBJ was all about winning. He got mad when they didn't win. People are like, oh, see, he's throwing a tangent. Yeah. And when you're losing, do you smile and say, oh, I want to spend the rest of my career here? No. You want to win. You get mad at your boss if they're not doing enough to help you win. That's what happens. That's all I'm saying. That's my biggest complaint about A.J. Green. you not at A.J. That's more all passion. I would like. That and games, you know, it's also <laughs> important. More of the Justin Kinder Show when we come back. <laughs> Today, pros have to do whatever it takes. The Home Depot is here to make that easier. We've got the products you know and trust on our app. Delivery options to get what you need exactly where you need it. And a delivery tracker that keeps you up to date on the status of your order. So you can keep doing what you do best. Whatever it takes to get the job done. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. There are people who say things aren't made here anymore. Those people should make a trip to Michigan or Kentucky or Illinois where you'll find our workers and dealers and engineers. The Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. All right, everybody, welcome back. Justin Kinner with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Kev, you're way out of the shot, man. Like, you're, like, wide right. You're like Parky. You're like the the Bears kicker from a few years ago, man. Disrespectful. There you go. Didn't Parky play for the Bengals, too, for a while? It's a kicker. I'm not going to waste much time talking about a kicker. But, by the way, there you are, right down the middle. There you go. The only kicker oh, see, we care about. And, the, and the, the camera's been off. The, now now you, the light's on. I don't know how to say that. Yeah, not yeah, be offensive. Yeah, yeah Hey, yeah. I can see you now. Yeah. I, I guess yeah. that's yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> As I was talking, I'm like, wait, so? how do you, how do you what I was going to say? Where's HR? <laughs> HR. Speed dial. All right, everybody. Welcome. Start time if he's suspended for a season, but an eight-game suspension. You're, you know, now teams are like, okay, if we signed him, that would bring him back around this time, and we would have him against this opponent. Uh, who knows? He can kind of bolster us if we're in a playoff push. So I think that that's why you're seeing all these teams line up now that weren't lining up before. Yeah, and you know, between him and Josh Gordon, how many chances do you get, man? Uh, Antonio Brown, I'm not as forgiving. And uh, as far as Josh Gordon's concerned. Weeds allowed in football, so what did he technically do? I heard he was out in Seattle right now. Yeah, I think that if, if you look at the Seahawks, the, the of the two, the one that's least of a distraction is Josh Gordon. Uh, and by the way, I've always said about Josh Gordon, it's not that he smoked weed that I had a problem with. It's the fact that he knew he wasn't supposed to and knew that every time he did, he would put himself in a chance of getting suspended and hurt his team. I don't hate Josh Gordon. I just believe that because of a rule, we vilified him to make him sound like he was this horrible person. And now that the NFL doesn't test for weed, now we're going to sit here and uh, pretend like it's not a big deal if players smoke weed when that's exactly what vilified Josh Gordon out of the league to begin with. That's where I have a problem with it. That's why he should be allowed back in the league. Uh, you know, we're going to sit there and say, oh, he needs rehab. He needs this and that. And then the league doesn't test for it anymore, so now the league doesn't care if you smoke weed. That's why I have a problem with that rule as far as that goes. Now they're just going to pretend like Josh Gordon didn't do anything wrong. Or they're going to say he did all these things wrong, but technically he hasn't done anything wrong based on the rules. Right, and Josh Gordon deals with something a lot of people out there deal with. He deals with mental illness, and and that is obviously way more forgiving than what AD yeah. has been dealing with. All right, man, I'm going to hit the Browns real quick. Uh, 
anyway, um, OBJ, if he decides to sit out, do you think Mayfield or Hayfield will have a better year? Why would he have a better year? I mean, he had a good year without him, but I don't think that one has to do with the other. I think well, that, I mean, if Baker Mayfield has a good year with or without OBJ, it's not because of OBJ one way or the other. It's because you have two tight ends, you have a better offensive line, you have a coach that actually you know has a brain between his ears. I mean, I think that there's a lot of reasons why Baker's going to have a much better 2020, and it has, it's little to do with OBJ. I think OBJ will be one of the reasons he has a great year, um, but if OBJ has a bad year, I don't think that it's going to be... You know, parallel with OBJ with uh, with Baker's bad year if he has one. Yeah, didn't the Browns have a like a big number of drop passes last year? They led the league in drop passes. Yes, unfortunately. But I get, I bet you um, OBJ will, he wouldn't drop his paycheck if they handed it to him. Well, no, no, no. I'm think he's there with both hands, pinkies together, thumbs out, ready just to cradle that baby in uh, every All payday. All right, man. I'm out, man. You guys have a good one. Adios. Take care. All right, four five seven nine four six four. Um, but yeah, that kind of took off. Uh, Chris, see, you know, Chris, I try to give you some time on the show, and then you come out and you disrespect the Browns. Mayfield can't do much worse. Well, I can't get mad at you for saying that because you're not one hundred percent wrong. Not one hundred percent wrong. But imagine if the Bengals did get Antonio Brown, Joe Burrow, AJ Green, Antonio Brown, Boyd, Mixon. On one side, Baker Mayfield, OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt. Uh, I, I mean, we're Hooper. I mean, Chubb. I mean, in Hooper and then in Joku. By the way, we never even got into that after demanding a trade over a month ago. Now he's perfectly fine in Cleveland again. Who knows what happened there? I think he realized, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of value out on the market right now, so I might as well, you know. <laughs> Your your wife's always uh, a lot hotter when you realize you don't have any other options, right? <laughs> I mean, is that what uh, Njoku is finding his situation being? Uh, but nonetheless, uh, we spent a lot of time on that. But who knows where he ends up? I mean, Kev, it probably is going to be Baltimore. But I did find it funny with as much as you and I have gone back and forth on this over the weeks, over the months, it turns <laughs> out that the Bengals come out and they're the odds-on favorite to land Antonio Brown. Who knows if it'll happen or not. So, But if it does happen, Matt, I expect a call and an apology. Uh, I expect a lot of apologies as far as that goes. So there you go. You're so bad. Justin Fields, Sean Wade, Buckeyes. Will they sit out this spring? We'll get into that. Coming up around the corner, we'll take a look at the Reds lineup one more time before we hand you off to Tommy Throw at 540. But Justin Fields, I mean, that's a big one. That's a big domino. With all the question marks up in the air, we talked about the top wide receiver from Minnesota. He's going to be a first-round draft pick. He's opting out. A lot of top stars are starting to ponder whether or not it's smart if they sit out or not. Season or not, it is being discussed. Justin Fields addresses that. 11 Warriors has a great article out that we'll address when we come back. Friday Night Football live video permission goes to the host schools for 2020 season. We'll get into that, about the amateur side of that, you know, because Kevin and I always have so much to say about that. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. All right, everybody, welcome back. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash with you here. Coming up, Reds baseball. We have the Reds and the Indians game two. 
Uh, the four-game home-and-home series. This will be the last of the four games at Great American Ballpark. After tonight's game, the Reds will hit the road and play the final two in Cleveland. But the Reds have won three straight. They've won four of their last five, and they look like a completely different ball club. And maybe it's just maybe because of this lineup right here. If you're watching live on Facebook, and if you are, I appreciate that. Thank you to everyone who hangs out with us uh, on the Facebook page. We just started that last week, uh, trying to build the numbers on that. And uh, the more people that tune in follow along, the better. We'll have a lot of fun. Ask Ron, who just continues to berate my Bengals, or my Browns, I'm sorry. I berate his Bengals, so that's always fair. But Reds baseball tonight, Reds Indians, 6-10, the first pitch, 5-40. We're going to be handing it over to Tommy Thrall here in just two minutes. Shogo Akiyama in left field, batting first, batting second, and at first base is Joey Votto. How about his return game yesterday? Nick Castellanos, uh, 10 straight games with a hit to open up the season. He'll get the start in right field and bat third. Mike Moustakis will bat cleanup in the fourth spot. He'll get the start at second base. At third and batting fifth is Eugenio Suarez, Jesse Winker the DH. Uh, he'll bat sixth. Nick Senzel batting seventh and in center field back in the lineup tonight. Freddie Galvis at shortstop batting eighth and batting ninth is the catcher Tucker Barnhart. Tyler Malley will be on the mound. One more time Akiyama, uh, Akiyama Vado Castellanos, your one, two, and three. Four, five, and six belongs to Moustakis Suarez and Winker. Senzel Galvis Barnhart round out the order at seven, eight, and nine with Tyler Malley taking the mound tonight for your Red Legs Reds Indians game two. Reds looking to go above 500 with the win tonight against the Indians and uh, we'll see what Tyler Malley can do. I think it's all going to ride up to him. Hopefully the lineup can continue to produce and that's your Reds lineup for tonight. Uh, all right, so we're good. we don't have time to get into this too much, uh, but with limitations on fans at high school football coming up and really not being able to, you know, fa- fans, we don't even know if there'll be, I mean, zero fans in the stands possibly. How are you going to watch your kids' games? How are you going to watch the games at all? The OHSA announced today that Friday night football live streams are going to be given permission to host schools. And there you go. I about that shot. I, uh, I drank a few bottles of Pinot. Good Oregon team, I'll tell you that. But um, definitely didn't slam them. <laughs> That's for sure. So, Rob, uh, t- telehealth has become a thing during uh, coronavirus. I'm going to do some telehealth uh, for my for my golf game here. What is as as a very accomplished player and a teacher? What is the one thing that you see from amateurs that that if they corrected it, they could get infinitely better at playing golf? So I'm going to give you two things. Um, okay. The first thing is their setup. You got to understand what you're doing when you set up to the golf ball. Um, 99.9% of the golfers on the planet set up to the golf ball wrong. If you shoulder a little lower get your right hip a little bit lower and, and kind of embrace that spine tilt away from the golf, uh, away from your target. And you'll feel like you're kind of almost hitting underneath it. But um, I, I wish we had video here because I could show you a lot more. But uh, <laughs> just I'm just telling you, embrace that little right hand low and feel like your right hip and your right shoulder are a little lower and, and you, will, uh, you will start to figure out the golf swing. Stan, I'm Run ready for Valencia. Team. Okay, all right, come on out. <laughs> So, so Rob, when you when you step on the first tee there at, at Harding Park, do you or at any point do you allow yourself to think about actually winning the whole thing? Every time I play a golf tournament, 
I've already envisioned myself holding that Wanamaker trophy a few times. Um, you know, listen, I'm I'm as good of a golfer as anybody. Um, a lot of these guys are. I'm older. I'm 48, 49 now. Um, the Reds you know, attempt to make it two straight wins over the Indians tonight uh, and four straight victories and overall. And thanks for joining us on the Cincinnati Reds pregame show presented by your Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Honda dealers. I'm Dave Armbruster. Tyler Malley makes his second start of the season tonight for Cincinnati. His first start came because Anthony DeSclafani was on the injured list. Now Wade Miley is on the IL, so Malley is called upon once again. After starting 25 games last season, Malley came into this season with a different role. I mean, it's kind of interesting, but uh, but I've kind of, you know, at first I was ready to be the uh, kind of like the long man out of the pen, piggyback type of thing. Um, and then once they told me I was starting uh, the fifth game, I was ready for that. And then um, just kind of rolled right into that. And then, um, you know, we had the, the rain out, so then... Um, got pushed back and then they wanted Sonny on to stay on his fifth day. So then they told me Tuesday and I mean, you just kind of, you just kind of roll with it. It's not, it's not anything. I mean, it doesn't throw me off or anything. I was, I'm, I'm ready to go out there whenever they want me to pitch. The right-hander pitched four innings in his first start against Chicago, giving up two runs on six hits. Yeah. I need to put guys out, um, better. I got two strikes on a lot of guys and, uh, gave up, gave up more hits than I wanted to with two strikes. Um, uh, and and that was the biggest thing. Um, my slider was like it was it was there some at bats and then other at bats it was it wasn't. Um, so just need to be consistent with that. And then I thought I threw my fastball pretty well and um, and my split wasn't that great. But um, but I was happy with my fastball and I wasn't happy with uh, how inconsistent my slider was. But um, but uh, tomorrow uh, I'm really excited to get out there and and uh, fix that. Things, of course, are a little different here in the 2020 baseball season. There are no fans in the stands except for the cardboard cutouts. And the applause, it's pumped in. But, yeah, with the, with the crowd noise and, and stuff like that, I mean, if you're if you're really focused on the game, um, it's kinda, it kind of seems normal. And our, our grounds crew uh, does a lot of cheering, and they, they, they get pretty rowdy. So, so if you're, if you're kind of laser-focused on, on what's happening on the field, it, it kind of feels normal um sometimes so so it's really cool but but yeah i'm i'm that should be really cool with the with the cutouts guest appearing on the pregame show receive a 100 dollars gift card from montgomery inn montgomery inn the undisputed ribs king this is the reds radio network at belterra park Cincinnati is who we are and who we serve. With an expansive floor and outdoor terrace for all your favorite games. Hook pounding action and dining options to impress any taste. All delivered by people who take pride and give appreciation. Welcome to Belterra Park, a Cincy kind of place. Must be 21. For help with a gambling problem in Ohio, call the Ohio Problem Gambling Helpline at 1-800-589-9966. Furman here. ACR Concrete is having a sale for stamped concrete patios, pool decks, and driveways. If you don't know about ACR Concrete, they're the experts for stamped concrete and all your concrete needs. They install the driveway, pool deck, and patio at my house, and boy, is it beautiful. ACR Concrete offers a huge variety of different patterns and colors, and their staff will personally design your new outdoor living area. Call ACR Concrete, the official decorative concrete company of your Cincinnati Reds, at 513-683-7719, or visit them at acrdecorative.com. 
Reds fans, tune into Fox Sports Ohio and the Cincinnati Reds Radio Network tonight through Thursday to see your Cincinnati Reds take on the Cleveland Indians. Plus, stay up to date on everything Reds by following at Reds on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Don't miss the battle for the Ohio Cup tonight through Thursday on Fox Sports Ohio and the Cincinnati Reds Radio Network. For over 50 years, R&L Carriers has built a reputation for exceptional service and dependability with LTL service across the U.S., Canada, and Mexico and options for guaranteed, expedited liftgate and final mile. R&L is the solution for all of your LTL shipping needs. Our team of experienced shipping specialists, 98% on-time service performance, and nationwide network of strategically located service centers ensures R&L Carriers remains a carrier you can count on. Visit R&L Carriers at RLC.com to learn more. O'Reilly Auto Parts can help make your auto maintenance easier. So when your car isn't stopping like it used to, our professional parts people will help you find the brake parts and supplies to do the job right the first time. Right now, get 15% off a set of brake vest pads and two rotors, plus O'Reilly Brake Cleaner, two for $5. Stop by or visit O'ReillyAuto.com today. It's game two of the four-game series between the Reds and Indians tonight here at Great American Ballpark. And thanks for joining us on the Cincinnati Reds pregame show presented by your Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Honda dealers. I'm Dave Armbruster. Games three and four of this series will take place Wednesday and Thursday at Progressive Field in Cleveland. This is the Injury Report. Tonight's Injury Report is brought to you by Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Nick Senzel injured his ring finger sliding headfirst into second base in game two Sunday. He explains what happened. It's one of those things I was just trying to get to the bag as quick as possible. And I don't usually normally slide, slide headfirst, but I felt like at that time, uh, that situation, that was, that was going to be the quickest way. And I jammed my finger into the into the bag. Senzel missed last night's game, but he is back in the lineup tonight, batting seventh and playing center field. Tonight's Toyota Tundra Home Run Challenge contestant is Miriam Ambrosio of Cincinnati. If a Reds player during tonight's game hits the Toyota hit-and-win sign located in right center field, Miriam Ambrosio will win a brand-new built-in-the-USA 2020 Tundra, courtesy of your Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky Toyota dealers. Let's root for the Reds to go deep to right center field tonight, and good luck, Miriam. This is the Reds Radio Network. The Honda Dealers, I'm Dave Armbruster. Tonight, Tyler Malley goes to the mound for the Reds against Cleveland's Shane Bieber. Bieber has been a strikeout machine so far this season. He has 27 Ks in 14 innings of work. This is the Hall of Fame Highlight with Reds historian Greg Rhodes. A fire at the ballpark? The grandstands burned down? Yep, that happened here in Cincinnati way back in May of 1900. And as you can imagine, when your grandstand burns down, that kind of changes your plans. You know, like, where the heck are we going to play our home games? As it turned out, the Reds started a long road trip the next day, which gave them a little time to figure out what to do. The club considered a couple of options, but finally decided to stay put. They got a break because the fire didn't burn down all the stands. It spared the bleachers in deep right field. And so they decided to move home plate to that corner of the field and use those stands. Three weeks later, the Reds played their first game on the new diamond in their old park. 
They didn't have enough time to grow new grass, so they played on an all-dirt infield. And they didn't have time to clear out the debris from the fire, so the ruins of the old stands were still there, now in deep left field. And beyond the new center field fence was a railroad track. The railroad parked boxcars out there and sold tickets to fans to sit on top of the train cars to watch the game. Ah, just another day at the ballpark. Burned out stands and railroad fans. And just another day at the Reds Hall of Fame, where you should check out more Reds history at the museum presented by Dinsmore at Great American Ballpark. The Hall of Fame highlight was brought to you by your Cincinnati, North Kentucky Honda dealers. Stick around. Tommy talks with manager David Bell next. This is the Reds Radio Network. The official bank of the Cincinnati Reds, PNC. Make today the day on the Cincinnati Bell Reds Radio Network. Welcome back to the Reds pregame show brought to you by your Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Honda dealers. And it's time to chat with Red skipper David Bell ahead of game two of this four-game series between the Reds and the Indians. And David, three wins in a row. Keep rolling right along. And, uh, boy, you can't say enough about Nick Castellanos and then Joey Votto in his first game back with the big go-ahead two-run home run. Uh, it, a lot of power out of this team early on, but uh, some, some key home runs in some key moments. Yes, uh, Nick Castellanos has been, uh, you know, swinging the bat great. Um, he was the player of the week. Um, just a great addition to our lineup. You know, he can really hit anywhere in the lineup. We, we like having him up at the top of the order. Um, you know, he's an aggressive hitter. He has the ability to get on base, um, but he, he's aggressive. He likes to swing the bat, and, uh, you know, the more pitches we can get him, the better off I think he is, even though he really – could hit anywhere in the lineup. He's just an improving player. He continues to find ways to get better and better. So um, he's been a great addition. It's fun to watch him play. And then Joey coming up last night um, off the day off um, when he wasn't feeling well and just a huge home run for our team against a really good pitcher. Um, you know, the starting staff is, is solid over there. So to, to come up with a big hit like that and reward our team and Sonny Gray with the start that he was able to have where early on he struggled a little bit and just competed as hard as he could to keep keep our team in it and give us an opportunity to win, and Joey came through. As timely as the home runs were and as good as Sonny Gray was, I feel like the bullpen might have been the story last night. Michael Lorenzen pitched like the Michael Lorenzen I think we all expected to see this year. What, he looked different. What did you see from him? Yeah, just, uh, you know, what we've seen over the last – you know, a couple of years, really, um, you know, more of more of what we're used to seeing. Um, it was early, early in the season. Um, you know, sometimes you, you just have to make adjustments as a player. Michael, to his credit, was able to do that and came out last night and, you know, a confident pitcher and just uh, showed what he, he, he can do and what we're used to seeing. So it was a big step for Michael. We knew he could do it, but uh, to get one solid inning under his belt and take that into his next time out, um, it's a big step. You know, as much success as he's had, the confidence level is important, and, and um, you know, I think last night will go a long way towards that. We're visiting with Reds manager David Bell. We'll continue our conversation when we return on the Reds Radio 
Introducing Quick Pick, MLB Rally's new predictive game that offers fans the opportunity to pick outcomes and compete for cash prizes. Make your predictions count. Play Quick Pick. No purchase necessary. 21 plus to compete. Restrictions apply. See official rules and enter at MLB.com slash Quick Pick. That's MLB.com slash Quick Pick. Hey, Reds fans, you love Trolley Sour Gummy Candy, right? Well, Trolley has done the unthinkable and made them even better. Introducing new Trolley Crunchy Crawlers. Trolley Crunchy Crawlers have everything you love about the original Sour Bright Crawlers, but with a thin, crunchy candy shell. With three great flavors, they strike the perfect balance of sweet and sour in every bite. Trolley Crunchy Crawlers want to be best buds with your taste buds. Look for new Trolley Crunchy Crawlers at Kroger stores throughout Reds country. Hi, this is Marty Brenneman. And this is Tom Brenneman. Nothing's more important to me than family. That's why I always make sure that they're safe when riding in a car. You're absolutely right, Tom. If you're a parent, please make sure your children are always buckled up. Just ask my kids. The first thing we do when getting in the car is buckle up. That's music to my ears. Buckle up your kids. If you don't, what's holding them back? A service of the Ohio Department of Public Safety. Ask Sherwin-Williams and get your color your way. We've made it easier than ever to try and buy color. Preview paint colors in your home with our ColorSnap app. Then visit SWColorChips.com to have color chips delivered to your door for free. And when you're ready to paint, shop online. Then stop by your local Sherwin-Williams store for curbside pickup and get everything you need without leaving your car. Welcome back to the Reds pregame show. Continuing our chat with Red skipper David Bell. After a big win last night, the Reds have now won three in a row, and you go for four in a row tonight with Tyler Malley on the mound against a, a Indians lineup that's really been struggling offensively. How do you expect Tyler to build on his last performance? Wasn't great, but was still pretty effective his first time out. He was, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see Tyler pitch tonight for sure. You know, he, I, I agree with you. His last outing was was good for a first time out um he's looking to build on that and it is it's a it's a good cleveland lineup so it'll be a great challenge and um we're, we're really looking forward to seeing tyler continue to progress and get better and and um you know continue his development and you know he's confident he's he's getting better and it'll be a big night for him all right david thanks so much that's reds manager david bell it's the reds and the indians coming your way next on the reds radio